Hey there fellow geeks and nerds, Gareth here. Just a reminder before the show starts that we are accessible on all the usual social media haunts. Facebook, you can find us on facebook.com slash thegeeksjournal. Instagram, at thegeeksjournal. Twitter, at geeksjournaluk. The Geeks Journal is available on most podcast platforms, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, you get the picture. So please, feel free to share and recommend to anyone you think might enjoy it as much as I hope you are too. If the moment should take your fancy, leave a little comment or review. Apparently it helps. I have no idea how, but apparently it does. Thanks for sticking with me through all the boring spiel. And now, on with the show. Greetings and salutations, fellow geeks and nerds. Welcome back to the Geeks Journal podcast. 2022, it's a brand new year. Hope you're all well and safe and, well, I'm really excited to be back after our Christmas break and take some time to revisit a movie that Nicolas Cage considers to be one of the best movies he's ever made. John Woo's 1997 action movie, Face Off. Now, for those of you who are not aware of this film, in a nutshell, to foil a terrorist plot, FBI agent Sean Archer, played by John Travolta, undergoes facial transplant surgery to assume the identity of the criminal mastermind Castor Troy, played by Nicolas Cage, who then wakes up prematurely and seeks revenge, assuming the identity of FBI agent Sean Archer. Confused now? You will be even more later. However, in the meantime, I am grateful to be joined again to break this movie down by a full house with the collective. Ladies and gentlemen, Damien, Lee, Luke and Ollie. Hello, gents. Hello. 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 Can we go outside yet? It's 2022. <laughs> Have you just been waiting since the 18th of December? <laughs> since well, since like what was it, March 20, uh, 2019, right? 2020. <laughs> <laughs> it's a well. I think if we have an office party, I think we're okay. I think that's the ah, yes. the crux of it the, now. The old, as long as you bring old... your own bottles, come on, guys. Yes, yeah. <laughs> in your own suitcase, <laughs> box of wine on the picnic bench in the back garden. I think we're sorted. Work event on Wayne. <laughs> Work event on Garth. <laughs> Touching on this quickly, what is your previous memories or experience with this frankly insane movie? I'm just going to go like clockwise from 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 what's showing on my screen. But Damien, how about yourself? Uh, this is I had, to, I had to count it. This is the fourth time I've seen this. Um, I got it's so nineties it hurts. <laughs> Ever? <laughs> Ever? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Video Den, one of many that I used to grab when I used to finish work next door. Um, uh, my wife actually has it in her DVD collection, so it's it's around. So I so I'm denied. Do I go in front of the front? No, I can't be asked. I'll just put it on Disney Plus. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, it's uh, yeah. I just oh my days, it's so nineties. It, it makes my eyes bleed. But we'll get into that. <laughs> yeah. Lee, what about yourself? I, I don't, where, do, where does this? reaching your in your existence so my earliest memory of this film was your obsession with it at school i think would be uh would be the the overarching thing on this i i i I never saw it the cinema so i can only have watched it on a dvd or vhs or something that i borrowed off of potentially Mm. you um it's not a film that i bought it's never been in my collection as far as i can recall i've music magpied pretty much all of it now so i don't actually own any 
or very few bits of physical media. So, yeah, it is a very 90s film for sure, which I'm sure we'll touch on <laughs> as we go on. Luke, what about you? I thought I'd watched this before. I hadn't. <laughs> wow. <laughs> no. Um, I... Unless you just blanked I have, it from I have, memory. No, I'm, I'm probably... I'm, maybe. It was a long time ago. Wait a minute. This isn't Freaky Friday. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was aware of the film. I remember... I was like, When I watched it, there were scenes that I remember seeing, but it may be something that I was flicking through one day and caught the end of things. Because I remember the end rather than most of the start of the film. So I think I must, that's what might have happened. I watched like, the end of the film. Um, yeah. <laughs> so this was like this. Yeah, no. You know when you flip through, you find something again. I've never seen this. Just watch it. Um, but yes, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> By the end of this episode, you will. I don't know. I mean, he won't. I still won't. I'm still confused. Um, and even watched it for a second time today. So uh, <laughs> went just down to, well then. Just to try and clear my mind on some stuff, and it's still confusing. Now, um. Yeah, <laughs> we'll get, get into it later. <laughs> Last but not least, Ollie, where does this sit with you? Where in your timeline? I think it was 97. I think I went to the cinema to see it. No, you did not. Did, did we not go? Are you sure no. we didn't go? Well, we would have been, at like, like a time of release, we would have been 14. But that hadn't so I stopped doubt us it. from going. Mostly fifteens at that point because this is when we were going into watching like Mortal Kombat and so forth. But I think that it was rarely there were many eighteens. Sorry, what film was that, Gareth? Mortal Kombat. Can, can you say <laughs> no, that properly, no. please? Sorry, Mortal Kombat. <laughs> thank, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I think you just broke my speaker. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't think I can hear at all. I think it is bleeding. Now, <laughs> yeah, RIP <laughs> your ears. Fatality. <laughs> Ollie, are you okay? Are you okay, hun? Are you all right? <laughs> all I can hear is like the tail end of combat, the screeching through my eardrums. <laughs> perhaps, perhaps I saw it fairly near the time. Then, perhaps I did yeah. get to see it on video, or it might not have been too long that it probably came to TV. I, I definitely saw it late 90s yeah and same. over the years i have seen it on and off on like well i was gonna say like terrestrial channels but you know like the freeview channels so the amount of times i've probably seen it as a whole it's probably about a dozen but spread over like 20 years yeah i mean i probably watch this like every couple of years to be fair yeah this yeah this holds <laughs> this yeah this is pretty sure i mean lee touched on this and this is 100 percent true late 90s and this film was a, a a big thing for me and it was kind of the only thing for you it was the, the only <laughs> thing i yeah i watched it um we used to stay with family friends for a few days during the summer and so this would have been so it'd been about 98 i reckon so like just after the movie had come out and it was on video rental and stuff the the the, the dad uh had rented it and we all watched it when we were playing a board game or something and it was, yeah, it was just one of those films that is just so crazy and it's crammed full of so much insanity, it just captures your mind completely. Just see, that, like, like, all, like all the explosions, like so many explosions <laughs> that Michael Bay just goes, damn, that's a lot of explosions. But, <laughs> but yeah, safe to say I have takes for days with this film <laughs> and I have been 
so excited to talk about it. And I think with that, let's just get into it. So the thing that like on this rewatch now, and it's a, a plot point that you're aware of anyway, if you've seen it before, this movie lets you know right out of the gate how insane it is going to be. This is a movie that is predicated that actually begins the cold open of this movie is the accidental assassination of a child no dialogue no context just a weird carousel ride in a crowded park that i can't believe that they don't spot nicholas cage mm. creating this weird little sniper perch in the middle of the day where he flourishes throwing off that cloth <laughs> yeah oh it's so like the, the like, like how much this is stylized is just it, it, it's it's great but it is crazy and you see this moment and, and and to be honest yes it is a bit of a tough watch for me in my years now like 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 two kids down the line that opening scene is a very very uh difficult thing for me to watch but it also doesn't excuse the fact that like i watched this and just went, oh wait yeah this film is completely fucking insane interesting point uh for a film that travolta would go on to a few years later it's, this is actually very similar to the comic book origin of Frank Castle. His family are killed in a park mm, during a picnic. So it's very much like the Punisher's origin. This yeah. also, that's quite interesting. It's, it, it is great. But yeah, it's just, yeah, it's just, like even now I'm watching, like, like just watching it and just going, I've forgotten that there is no opening dialogue in this you have the the you have the opening title you see face off come across the screen and then that is it for about three minutes. It is quite a powerful scene, but my one sort of overarching memory of it is really just moustache. I was going to say exactly the same <laughs> thing. I was like, the most disturbing thing about those three minutes is the moustache. And it's like, for one, it's they've already made it black and white. So you know that it's kind of a flashback scene. Hmm. But just to make is it... Is it black and white? It's sort of saturate, a desaturated like, colour, isn't it? Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And like, yeah. to make it even more like that it's supposed to be in the past, you know, let's give him a moustache. A really creepy <laughs> German porn star moustache. 1991 which, Freddie Mercury uh, moustache. Like, how does that make him look younger? He looks older. It's like, he, it's like he should be allowed in the park in the first place. Well, that's it. <laughs> I mean, it's a long scope. He might be like, he might be half a mile away, to be fair. Yeah. I mean, as someone, this is, I'll say the first time I've watched it, um, it was... I found it a very dark opening, and I'll, I'll go with the shock and awe, the shock of the, the death of the kid, but then also the shock and awe of the, that mustache, because my <laughs> notes was that mustache. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the 1990s. <laughs> and then that's, that's when I lost it. Um, it so, uh... <laughs> yeah. I mean, obviously, as I mentioned before, the, you, you have the two main characters here, played by Nicholas Cage and John Travolta, who at this point are relatively well known for being two bonkers performers in the industry and then you realize oh, and then like as the film carries on like the further it goes you realize oh wait i get it these two bonkers performers are trying to out bonkers each other in this insane concept of a movie it is one of the most poetically stupid films that has ever <laughs> existed i was i was surprised because you got when you think about it it's later on it's obviously it's um, the best one is um, Travolta trying to play Nick Cage, trying to play Travolta. And that just blew my mind when you thought about it going, 
He's naming this. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say this until later on, but I think that is the one of his finest performances, isn't it? I would like, agree. John Travolta, it's, it's like acting inception, isn't it? It really is. It's so it's so good. You can tell he's having a lot of fun with that role. Like he really is enjoying playing Caster. Yeah, it's I, I, I think out of everything, like the main takeaways performance wise, I find that John Travolta has a better performance playing Nick Cage than Nick Cage does playing Yeah. Definitely. John Travolta. Uh, yeah, it's, Nick, Nick Cage is Nick Cage throughout the film. It's just he's it's different levels of intensity. Yeah, Nick, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nick Cage is a medicated Nick Cage when he's playing John Travolta, <laughs> and, and, and and then Nick Cage, particularly in this opening scene that uh, that we're about to talk about, is Nick Cage to an eleven, twelve, maybe. maybe. <laughs> <laughs> it's really close. I mean, I, I mean, like, obviously, like after we go through this, is fantasy nightmare flashback scene at the beginning where we see the very tragic death of Sean Archer's son on this carousel. We then go to the modern day and we see Nicolas Cage, who is this terrorist for hire, who is setting up this just huge amount of peli cases for this nuclear bomb, like an obscene amount. And then he sets it up, and then he he, he comes out, and you you see that he's dressed as this priest, and then he then walks out. There's this chorus singing hallelujah, and then he starts dancing around <laughs> and, and things like that. And this is what I mean, like like there is so much fun that he's clearly having with this role. And the rumor of this movie is that between John Travolta and Nicolas Cage, the majority of it was just improvised. They just kept on coming up with ideas that kept making the cut somehow, but. This one thing, I don't know if this was improvised, I don't know if this was scripted, what I did find is that it aged about as well as milk was <laughs> this moment with the choir girl mm. at the end, like, like, like when he's talking to her. It was, yeah. Do you, do you think all this kind of level of improvisation that got like kept in, do you reckon that was like, you know, did Jean-Claude Van Damme maybe visit with his dump truck full of cocaine? <laughs> <laughs> did he share it? Uncharacteristic. <laughs> oh, Nick Cage just bought it off of him. <laughs> this, this, this scene is where I open the door to the Incredulous Corner. <laughs> Already. Um, Theme tune! And now, we welcome you to another edition of Lee's Incredulous Corner. Uh, because how the fuck did they get all those uh, pelly cases in without like anyone really think question, right. questioning stuff? Um, right. Very good point. And I was like, yeah. Uh, and the fact is that later on you find out there's a massive task force trying to find him. How has he just happened to walk around one of the busiest, probably secured locations, well, like not secured, but like people watching for him? Is the, is the LA the Convention Centre? Yeah, you just thought there'd be business. like nothing to see here. <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. This right. This is, like I said, this whole thing with the choir girl. This is. I don't know if this is John Woo giving a scathing indictment of the Catholic Church when it's not as though. Like, like it's some secluded corner and he's trying to crack on to this jailbait 16, 17-year-old, what the fuck ever. It's the fact that it's in a crowd of people and there's not one person just going, um, Father, what do you think you're doing? No one, nothing. Hmm. 
everyone's just glancing over it and letting it happen as he's just like putting the moves on and then cupping her ass uncomfortable just so so bizarre second nature for uh, catholic priests probably so they're all quite used to it (laughs) (laughs) the the views of ollie do not necessarily represent the rest of the uh, geeks general podcast right this is when i'm gonna change the discussion a bit so from this point on we've got we've had the mustache now i get distracted (laughs) by his hair Nick Cage's hair. It's like a bowl cut, but with where he's receding lines from most of the film. It's just very 90s, but off It had its own trailer. So, <laughs> so one of my notes was face-off, a.k.a. attack of the receding hairlines for this film. Because there were... I, I know exactly what Luke was, was on about. Like There were some really oddly like cropped and edited shots where you couldn't see the top or the back of any of their heads at any point that's when there were stun doubles <laughs> you see a lot of them in this film yeah, <laughs> yeah. don't fucking get me started on those stun doubles i'll get to those later yeah yeah but the but the thing about the hell is like like it's amazing because lest we forget there was like like this movie started filming 24 hours after Nicolas Cage finished shooting a little movie called Con Air. Is it that way around? Is I th- I yep. Where Con I Air. Is the other way, but okay. Con, Con, Con Air wrapped, jumped on a plane, started filming Face Off. <laughs> oh, I got the long hair. So, yeah, it didn't have the long flowing locks, like, you know, the old famous hairdryer thing. And I think the film is worse off for it. <laughs> but you obviously you see... John Travolta playing this very serious, subdued, you know, beaten down FBI agent, just a dick to all of his agents. They're trying to track down Castor Troy, which Luke, as you mentioned, all of a sudden like becomes such a difficult thing. But he's yet walking out in the middle of the public, which he's he's essentially like public enemy number one as far as like domestic terrorism goes. You would have thought, but no one ever knows where to find him. <laughs> what I found was quite interesting was that like when you first see him. you know not be a priest he gets out of his uh sports car and he's wearing this long flowing coat you've got that tune going on it just flaps in the breeze like proper john woo slow motion absolutely fantastic but what made me chuck is that it just suddenly dawned on me is that like like throughout this entire movie is it essentially are they trying to make like a, a manga movie live action but without it being overly manga does that make sense like like they really try and part like like try and make nicholas cage as this like anime villain stylish kind of yes yeah yeah it's yeah, yeah. a good point actually glad you brought that scene up lee did you notice what's in the background when he gets out of the car no transformer come how on. many <laughs> green construction vehicles do you see oh right. no did i miss <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. it <laughs> Damn it! Because I know, I know something. I know, I know something else. My video nasties coming up later on, so we're getting transitions in now. <laughs> Genuinely thought we were going to get through one fucking episode with. No, I saw that. Right, I saw that. Yeah, how many green construction vehicles do you see? God damn it! Yeah, <laughs> uh, we see. Obviously, he has his his younger brother, uh, Pollux Troy, played by. Um, uh, for, for me, underrated actor Alessandro Navola. Actually, I think he's very good in this as the as the creepy little brother Pollux. Just before you get into this, can I just say what the fuck is with these names? <laughs> Castor and Pollux. They <laughs> are Greek or Roman. All right. Um, I mean, just mythological. I mean, 
yeah. twins essentially, Castor and Pollux. They are the Gemini twins that are the the constellation. Uh, okay, just I was like, uh, just the names were like going. Don't quote me on that. I could be wrong. My book on mythology be is across the room. <laughs> And I haven't read it in about fifteen years. And like as well in this little scene, we have well, there's a familiar face to me and Luke. I would hope to you as well, <laughs> who's playing one of the heavies. We have an insanely young Tommy Flanagan Chibs from Sons of Anarchy playing one of the uh, playing one of the the goons. Yeah. So just to go back to that point, Castor and Pollux are the twin half-brothers in Greek and Roman mythology known together as the Dioscuri, or Dioscuri. That, that's essentially it. That's what their names are about. Ah, uh, okay. So that, that, uh, that today's episode is brought to you by the letters A and B and the number 12. <laughs> <laughs> What like one thing that, that like like captured my imagination when I first watched this film when I was a kid, and I still find it like really cool now. I just watched that entire clip that's in slow mo, and he's taking the he's taking the overcoat off and he puts the jacket. But in the in the in the, in the interval in between those two coats, you see the double back holster with the okay, yes, absolutely. Gun control is a thing that we need to be mindful of and things like that. But every time I watch it in my head, there's a little voice just going, "But them guns though." Like this, <laughs> just just glorious, and they get and they're on the run. They're getting on the like they're getting on the plane. They're going to fly away. And this again boils down to something that's like what not not a fan of this moment. It, it, it is the if I was to send you flowers, where I no 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 wait. Let me rephrase. If I were to let you suck my tongue, and I just go. Bleh. Bleh. Oh dear, yeah no. And then we oh we see it is the worst bit. Yeah. Well, it's actually making me feel physically sick right now. Spoiler, spoiler alert for anyone that doesn't know this. It's an undercover FBI agent, and I was watching that this time just going, fucking hell, if she doesn't deserve a raise for this, like, I, I, I don't know. I, like, like, sadly, she she dies in the fray, but, like, for a moment, you just go, wow, like, that's that's all out. Like, This scene not... proper escalates, though, doesn't it? I was, I'd forgotten this entire bit, so I was just like, oh, you know, it's, it's probably like, you know, he's going to take off and then they'll just arrest him. Oh, no. <laughs> this scene, because, of course, while this is going on, the FBI just piles out of nowhere, just cars, helicopters, jeeps, the entire lot, just just bounding down the runway at this plane. This feels like a second or third act mm. chase scene. And I looked at the timer and nine minutes had gone by. <laughs> nine <laughs> minutes and it is already like GTA. <laughs> nine minutes. We've probably had about... 90 seconds of dialogue for the entire time mm. and it's all and it's but it's all boiled down to this massive chase scene and the assassination of a toddler it's just like like john woo really went all out he really tried to push an envelope with this one i don't understand like, like apparently all like deputy chiefs of fbi divisions and stuff like that know how to fly a helicopter who knew he's not <laughs> flying though he gets in the passenger seat up, but well, I mean, they are, they both have control sticks, but I'm pretty sure there is a pilot. He's he's flying. He's flying. He, he's flying. Is he? If you look when when he takes off, he's sat there looking, so he not even looks like he's controlling it. But then next shot, he it's just him. There's just one person in a helicopter. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. Okay. And he's the one that makes the conscious choice to well turn the blades into the tail, doesn't he? Yeah. You know, I yeah, can't I imagine. He's just, he's just pushing the um, flap down, isn't he? I didn't think he was actually chopping the tail up. I think it's safe to say that at this point, though, Sean Archer does have a complete death wish when he's playing chicken 
with a jet plane. <laughs> he, at this point, cares more about the colour than he does about what happens to him. And the only reason why he pulls away is because Castor has the FBI agent that's undercover. I don't know why that changes anything. He's got some eyesight on him, though, to see that at the speed right? he's travelling and the angle he's at and where Good they are. grief! <laughs> and then... You know, the plane crashes, goes into that carrier. I have to admit, this gunfight is crazy, and it rules. It is absolutely fantastic. There was one moment where I just thought, oh, this is a little bit incredulous now, is that there's a shot where you see an agent run down into the next bit, and you could tell that this is something where they were doing, like, a multi-camera shot. It wasn't just, like, film it and then film this bit. They were filming everything... Um, concurrently because the guy that's running down who gets shot with a shotgun is wearing a very visible wire (laughs) like close up you see the whole harness the lot it is it's quite bad just to rewind ever so slightly there is uh, my first trip to the uh, corner of incredulity is it's um, your corner how do you not know how to pronounce it i've not said it in about three months um so Yeah, just before... Yeah, no, just so he shoots the FBI agent, right? He dangles her out the door and he shoots her. Yes. Then they make a very elaborate play to show him drawing both guns from that back holster you mentioned. Yes. And it's like, but hang on, he's just had one in his hand for the last 10 minutes. Why is he now suddenly drawing both again? What What is this about? Because <laughs> it's cute. It, it, no, it yeah. is true. <laughs> well, that's it, isn't it? But there is some real dodgy, like... How many guns has he got? Edit- <laughs> editing. <laughs> I found in this entire film, like one moment you find they're like sat down, then all of a sudden, like within a hair's breadth, they're stood up and then they're sat back down again, or they're in a different side of the room. <laughs> but my the next part leading on from this is who knew that glass could burst into flames? Because when, <laughs> when that plane goes through the glass, it just all of a sudden explosions, every fire. <clears throat> Fire, raging fireballs. What? If you don't know what was behind it, you know? It could be, I don't know, a tin of paint that could have gone up. <laughs> <laughs> Highly flammable. I mean, course. anything would go up in this film, but I mean, <laughs> you don't know what was stored behind that door. Lest we forget, though, we actually find out later as the gunfight continues that they are in some kind of jet testing facility, which, of course, why wouldn't that be right next to a pedestrian airport (laughs) what could go wrong absolutely (laughs) during this whole fray Pollux gets captured taken away run to the litter he cannot fight for shit FBI have got him take him away and then we go down to one of four iconic quote-unquote face-offs with John Travolta and Nick Cage in this movie there are so many it's impossible for me to actually narrow down my favorite but you have this initial one the first sort of proper face-to-face dialogue with them. And it's great. It's really great. Like, the intensity, the delivery that they're doing at the moment is a real treat. It's really interesting to see, like, where it will escalate later. But again, it kind of feels... This kind of feels like a third-act standoff. It really did. Rather than right at the beginning. Even more so the fact which, like, you know what's going to happen because, like, trailers and things like that, they're not going to kill him off right at the beginning. But, like, like Caster Troy essentially dies in this scene. He gets put into the path of this 
jet engine which archer then like travolta hits the button and sends it into afterburn or something and then just catapults him across this room hits into a wire fence dead after just 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 gone that's a that's a bond level death of a of a henchman. But i challenge you is it Caster Troy, or is it quite clearly a stunt double? The first of many that we will see throughout the entire year's film. Which is, I might as well bring it up now. So I, I after I watched it about, oh, finished it about two hours ago now, um, I went on IMDb and had a quick squeeze through the trivia. And there was one thing that struck me as odd, was that it said, oh yeah, there were a lot of digital effects in this film where they digitally replaced the actors' faces on the stunt doubles. No, they didn't. Did they fuck? <laughs> yeah. I think there's one where you actually do, you can just about see where they've done it. But then the rest of the time, I remember watching, it's like, there, there are extra cast members in this film that do not get enough credits. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. The stunt the stunt work in this movie, whilst incredibly impressive, the cover-up of stunt doubles to actually look like the people that they are portraying <laughs> is sloppy as fuck. It's like that family guy. Episode where Stewie like suddenly takes a dive out of a window and they deliberately cut to, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, they animated a man dressed up. He's got a funny yeah. enough a mustache like like Caster Troy's one, like doing the dive out of the window. It's that kind of level. So, after <laughs> the death, quote unquote, of Caster Troy, we first meet Eve, Sean Archer's wife, played by Joan Allen, who to be perfectly frank, is doing God's work in this movie. I think, like, she... It, like, like her... The, the emotion that she brings to this film, which could just be a straightforward action film and that's it, and there's not many layers to it, I think her delivery and various things that happen, like, within that sort of family unit in this, I think really makes a difference. And apparently, Joan Allen was John Woo's first choice for this role. Absolutely. It was him just saying, it's like, no, her or nothing. So apparently the studio wanted to go for someone younger and make it like a stepmother. Creepy. After that, which, all right, the the, the younger thing is typical 90s, like my, my eyes rolling at Hollywood because it's like, well, yeah, this is, this is what people want to see. Narrative-wise, I would almost buy into it if... Really, it's 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 astounding for the amount of time that is supposed to have passed that they've actually stayed together through this. Because to to a certain degree, you could almost believe a narrative where, if he feels that he was to blame, then possibly Eve might blame him for what happened, and they would potentially like go their separate ways. So I get why they would entertain the notion of a stepmother thing, but I think having them make those sacrifices and stay together and deal with those things. Well, clearly we find out that Sean is not actually dealing with these things and that's part of the problem. But it's just, it it, it was, I, I think this works so much better. I need to raise though, because this, like, this has happened once, this happened once in a flashback and it was bugging me because then it happens again with Sean and Eve. What is this hand over the face thing i've been trying to work this up because what because i don't know if this is just covid indoctrination in my brain now but i keep watching this you go that is wildly unsanitary you mean you don't do that to your wife <laughs> no you can be like, like if i did that she yeah <laughs> all right love face waterfall is it like it's like like you have to wonder if this is where david Walliams got the influence for <laughs> in, 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 in little britain yeah another finely aged bit of yeah. british comedy there <laughs> 
<laughs> I made me finally that that scene just like that whole movement thing just makes me so mad, and it is so prevalent throughout the entire film. Well, that's it. It, it kind of all hangs on that, doesn't it? Almost because that's skipping on quite a bit towards the end. That's like his trademark, isn't it? That's mm. the only thing that identifies him as Sean Archer that his family know intimately. You know, you can replicate the the voice apparently just like that. With a, <laughs> I mean, with a, yeah, with a, with a laryngeal chip. chip. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, magnetic boots are a thing, and as well. But, you, you're um, dead right. It is. It is that, but also it's still weird. It is. It is weird. But it's that kind of like it's that thing they've put right at the start. That's a bit like it's a bit odd, but it's very them, and you 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 just know it. It's going to be pivotable pivotable later on in the film and it does it like arches on it later you have to wonder like whatever happened to dominique swain though who plays the daughter in it like she did lolita with jeremy irons she made this and then she vanished got the money and ran you have to wonder how much money they made that they, they got out of doing this harassed by middle-aged men was probably enough yeah. for her i mean yeah. to be fair though, a lot of, lot this, of this, i noticed that a lot of actors cast. go sort of behind they tend to go behind the camera a lot of time if they if they don't keep up the acting obviously some get out of it completely but who knows so archard promises his wife he just says like that's it i'm gonna get counseling i got that son of a bitch i get counseling i'm gonna take a desk job i'm gonna be really safe for you this is gonna be great for us this is fantastic and everyone's just going but that's not a film that we want to see and we <laughs> find out why because a matter of minutes later cch pounder who's playing the special ops agent who comes in and says, we found this, it's indication they built a bomb and we need to work out what's going on. Of course, they try to interrogate Pollock Troy. He says he's only going to speak to his brother. That's when the agent says there is another option. And we find out that there is this, this contractor in the middle of nowhere who can remove... Caster Troy's face, who it turns out didn't die, they're keeping him alive for this exact reason, that they can remove Caster Troy's face and put it on Sean Archer's face, and with a little bit of plastic surgery and a little bit of liposuction and things like that, yeah, people are going to believe that it's you, no problem. And they're going to do this by using what they called a morphogenetic template. And I remember watching this the other day and thinking, yes, but that's because the idea is, is that the inside is morphed to Travolta's face shape and then the outside is morphed to Nicolas Cage's face shape. And that's how they fit it. And they attach the nerve endings and things like that. And it's going to be great. It's going to be so simple. The, the, The science of this movie or the absence of science in this movie blows my brain because that morphogenetic template looked like a like two inch piece of plastic. <laughs> like I don't get how any mouth movement, eyes or anything like that is supposed to happen. It looked massive. So he thinks it's just a completely insane idea and as do we. <laughs> as, as do we. And so he says, you know, I'll get his gang to talk. That's what I do. And so, yes, that is exactly what he does. Now, considering the fact that at the beginning of this film, we find out that they are a covert, secret anti-terrorism unit, they sure do bring a lot of bad guys into their office to interrogate them. (laughs) Like, no one's leaving with, like, black bags over their heads or anything like that to keep the location secret. 
It's not as though like then they could just think, it's like, you know what? We put a rocket launcher up on that 35th floor. We can get that motherfucker. <laughs> just gonna say, what's that smell? <laughs> <laughs> and the guy shit his pants. <sighs> and yes, well, this introduces one of the other recurring characters then. We see the guy who is supposed to have made the casing, provided the casing that Castor has put the bomb in, which is a character called Dietrich. Who I thought was just a wonderfully, like OTT villain. Um, I don't know what he's done before though. It's an actor called Nick Casavetas. Casavetas. So the Richard O'Brien looking one. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. What one, happened? Sorry. If, yeah, yeah. What happened if Richard O'Brien worked out? Like he's <laughs> big dude. But yeah, it was the leopard print coat as well. Yeah, I see what you mean now. That's well, quite... I said Fred. I guess I don't know. I didn't catch the character's name, actually. And we also get introduced to Gina Gershon, who plays a character called Sasha. And I want to, like, plant this little seed now, because I'm going to come back to this later. Do bear in mind, they are brother and sister. We find this out really early on. Important to remember. Come back later. And then we find out that, like, she has a, she has a son. Archer threatens to get him in foster care because she was linked to Castor Troy years ago. It's, it's, it's a whole thing. This is how you find out exactly how loose cannon he actually is. And then after all that, he just like they 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 don't know where the bomb is, and so he decides, oh yeah, well yeah, yeah I'm, like I'm, I'll do it. And he makes that decision really quickly. Like he weighs up so many cons. So like, I need to lie to everyone that loves and trusts me, break all these laws, da 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 da. Yeah, I'll do it. <laughs> it's literally that, like, didn't even miss a beat. Yeah. But that goes throughout this entire film, though, doesn't it? You don't... There's no explanation why Nicolas Cage is blowing up L.A. There is. Yeah, but there's no dwelling on it. And there's... there's is there? And that goes throughout the entire film. There's no, like, major explanation about, like, John Travolta's de- department. There's no like explanation about the science of any of things that goes on. It just kind of yeah. it just it just keeps rolling really quickly, and it just it, it expects you to just get carried away with it. I mean, to be fair, we're sort of splitting hairs over this, and this is a film that is literally about cutting one man's face off and putting it on someone else. So, <laughs> well, yes, I have, and there is much to be said about that scene in just a moment. And of course, we go to. Archer's house again because after all of these promises it's yet again another broken promise that he's going to have to make to his wife because he's got to go away again and go into the field for fuck's sake Archer right you just, I mean, gotta, you just don't play by the goddamn rules <laughs> <laughs> what I found was hilarious though is that like you get the impression that like clearly like she she's expecting him to come home now like things are okay there are no other pillows on that bed other than the pillows that are on her side of the bed <laughs> I, it's like like it was just one of those small things where I just went, wait a minute, is budget that low? Is it implied <laughs> that he's sleeping on the sofa, maybe? I don't know. Well, I don't know, because there's also because after this, and we find this out later as the film goes on, as proof that he know, that he is who he says he is, he spent the night in his late son's old bed. But That's it. That's after this moment, but there is still no other pillar. It's crazy. Granted, it's it, it's a weird point for me to split hairs, but I just remember seeing it and just going. <laughs> There's no pillows in that bed. <laughs> what is going on? And so the next thing we see, he's at the facility and he's about to undergo this quote-unquote procedure, question mark. 
do you notice though that morphogenetic template didn't actually come into play at all it doesn't it, it doesn't get used in the slightest no doesn't at all i think they just use it to rest his face on isn't it yeah, yeah a lot to say about that like seriously as i said the, the science of this movie haunts me <laughs> but it's just unbelievable when you imagine that like what we're about to see is someone's face like 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 this face being removed so easily because apparently all nerve endings and attachments to one's face is just around the squidgy parts around the edges <laughs> um we have no nerves in the front of our face eyelids or anything like that once you actually cut around the hairline and around the jawline and stuff like that everything just kind of retracts of its own accord making it very easy to remove one's face <laughs> This scene is just absolutely ridiculous. Like, like, the, the, like, I, I laughed so much. I watched this with my wife the first time around, <laughs> and when you see the prosthetic faces that they're using, mm. these fake faces that they're using, the thing. I remember seeing Nicolas Cage's one. I just went, but that just looks like a chubby John Hanna. That doesn't look like <laughs> Nicolas Cage at all. <laughs> There's definitely a disbelief there, isn't it? Like it's <laughs> they're, they're sort of they're that uncanny valley where they sort of look like them, but they're not quite there. <laughs> well, it's like even the fact, like down to the blood types, and they address this when the doctor is first trying to explain to Archer what they're thinking of doing. They have different blood types. They said your blood types don't match, but Pollock's Troy won't know that. Oh yeah, they are. <laughs> talking about taking someone's face which guess what there is actually blood under this layer of skin and they're talking about removing that and putting it on someone else's face theoretically one of these people should be dead by the end of this movie surely like i'm not a scientist <laughs> but surely what would have been better is after a couple of days of this surgery taking place that actually one of their faces started to be rejected by the other body so just all of a sudden just started creeping off and smushing down to the chin and, just, like, just drooping. and it's just like no i'm totally cast with dry i mean yeah you to touch on that before i go back to my other point like you kind of do start to see that isn't it? it's like as he's being escorted out uh, to onto the sort of prison thing he sort of, oh, why are you rubbing your face on the wall? He's like, oh, because it itches. And so that's the only time they ever sort of really pay any sort of mind to the surgery. But the other thing was, like, I just found myself throughout this film, the more I started thinking about the implications of swapping someone's face. So at what point did Caster Troy, now posing as Sean Archer, I know we've skipped ahead a little bit, how does he know all of the stuff like, you know, even simple things like where the hell his office is, where he keeps his security cards to get in. How does he know which floor to go to? How does he know which office is? How does he know how the fucking coffee machine works? All of this kind of stuff, right? The more you start thinking about it, and I'm picking it, you're like, this does not work. I mean, even simple things like, you know, yeah, they, they but yet it does. Yeah, very odd. Very, very odd. It's the Chewbacca defense, Your Honor. Yeah, the, I mean, the, the wedding ring. He knows the building. He just follows someone inside. If someone gets the right floor, someone passes him a coffee. They open all the doors for him. He's Sean Archer. How does he remember? How does he know everyone's name? I mean, obviously, you can learn that. But I mean, there must have been an odd day where he's like, "Oh, and you are." What if I had a photo album at at Sean's Sean's house? Just went. Oh yeah, these are work (laughs) colleagues. (laughs) It is. Yeah, it's just 
crazy. But going back to something that you said earlier, Ollie, about voices and how they and how they're changing the voices with this laryngeal microchip. Now, oh, one of those. <laughs> yeah, you know the really jagged piece of electrical equipment that you can't just fix down someone's throat <laughs> because you know that's gonna that's gonna sting somewhat you know at least mission impossible got it right where they have like this little thing that they tape to the outside of your neck you know there's like there's something it's a bit of a stretch to say it, believable in comparison <laughs> but they're talking about a, a, a microchip inside the throat which like the the definition of it i think it was like laryngeal chip or something like that apparently i was i, I was going to like the DVD commentary I, th I, I was reading is the scriptwriters who have a lot to say about things that happened <laughs> in, in, in respect. But one of these things is that that was essentially a placeholder for something else, and then they couldn't come up with anything else better, and they just went, "Meh, we'll just leave that in," <laughs> and like zero science behind it whatsoever. They didn't have anything to fall back on with it. Yeah, but what, and what they say is, it's like, oh, with today's antibiotics, it's like what. <laughs> Today's antibody just completely heals scar as soon as you walk through a door. <laughs> and also, like, yeah, as you say, like, reconnects, like, your your muscle structure to your, like, inner face so your like, eyebrows move and your lips move. Well, apparently all it actually takes is some weird sort of Indian head massage. Because well, if you notice... Say, it just massages your face into place. <laughs> yeah. And then you're fine. Magic. All of a sudden, you're Nicolas Cage. <laughs> now... <laughs> Moving forward, because, of course, now we are getting into the realms of now John Travolta is Nicolas Cage. So we can't refer to it as Caster because it's Archer. So what do we do? Do we do we use different names? I, 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 uh, I make a, a I make a motion um, to say Cavolta is Sean Archer as Caster oh, Troy and dude, it's Monday Trage night. Is... Don't make me think. <laughs> it, it's Sean, Sean Troy. Troy. Go, go the character names. Come on, the character name. So, but yes, but Archer is then Troy. I don't know who it know. really is. Who it really is? Yeah. Okay, all right, fine. That'd be my vote anyway. I don't know what the other. So thing. I did say, like go back to what you were saying, Lee, about the thing where he's he's rubbing his face along the wall and he's just going, "So my face itches." I there, I honestly believe there is no way that was ever scripted. I think that was just. <laughs> Just I Nicholas think that Cage. was just yeah. I think that was just something Nicholas Cage just went off piste and just went, "Mer, this will be good," and just started rubbing his face <laughs> on the wall. Because I think Nick's just lost having it. like a weird like coke moment where he's like having weird sexual <laughs> sensations to go. All oh, this this little bit of brick wall <laughs> doing it for me, <laughs> and then gets Tito to rub his face for him as well. What an odd moment. Yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine it? Like, that's a really good friend. I think anyone else that you probably get to do that would just go, are you joking? Keep rubbing your face on the wall, weirdo. Yeah, I'm not touching that. <laughs> yeah. Actually, just going back to the, to, the, to the laryngeal chip, like, calibration bit. I, like, the word peach in this film makes me uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. This is, like, the fourth or fifth time we've heard it. I'm not okay with it by this point. And it's just, just not, not nice. And then, of course, we see that Caster has then been shipped off. Well, Archer. This is, this, this is my problem now. Archer is shipped off to this Supermax prison. Them boots, though. 
Super Mario Bros, isn't it? Super Mario Bros, it come is, on. It is, from, oh. Ollie's, from, from Ollie's number one movie of 1994. <laughs> Favourite movie of all time. <laughs> time, time, time. Now it's my favourite coaster of all time. <laughs> Ollie, don't um, lie, I can see it framed behind you on your wall. It's just framed up <laughs> <laughs> He's like that's a that's like a one and only DVD <laughs> in like a Calyx. <laughs> this is the Mario Brothers room. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is the shelf devoted to uh, the actor, possibly known as digitally created Bob Hoskins. <laughs> Allegedly. 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 Bob Hoskins. <laughs> I almost didn't recognise Thomas Jane in this movie. Same. This mm. other convict that approaches Archer when he's walking through thinking that he's Castor Troy. Complete transformation. And you think we're only three years, maybe four, away from... What, the Punisher? Punisher? It's like 2002, 2003. If there was a website we could look at that would tell us all these things. Um... <laughs> yeah, then one of those would be really handy, actually. But Thomas Jane will always be the vegan police to me. <laughs> this is what I was thinking: is that like, is this how he, is this how he gets into vegan police? Is Milk this a, eggs, bitch? <laughs> is this a head cannon story that we're missing here? Or is this like he, he escapes from the supermax and decides to go straight, <laughs> with a with a non dairy, <laughs> non <laughs> ovo lacto diet? <laughs> Seeing Nicolas Cage being John Travolta as Nicolas Cage in this is actually like really interesting. Like you see that kind of like eternal struggle where he's trying to be undercover, trying to get to get into character. You know what I mean? He's trying to pass off as caster. And the only way he can do this is by being this pantomime villain and being just a complete psychopath beating up Terry Belfour from true blood in this weird Russian accent, which he drops in about 10 minutes. <laughs> See, this is when you go back to the the laryngeal chip, whatever Michael Chip, whatever you want to call it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh you think uh, Duboff is undercover? No, 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 no. <laughs> but I mean, that fight's the fight. You'd have thought that he said, "I'll oh, be careful with it," because you'd have thought in that fight it'd be broken by now. Yeah. So even does, even it? a violent <laughs> sneeze could dislodge yeah. it. It's like, well, come well, come like in about an hour of this movie, he will be beaten up, borderline electroshocked, jumped off a, a jumped. A hundred feet into the sea. So Again, many fights. It's not him. <laughs> no, that's not... <laughs> it's clearly not him. <laughs> now, while this bit, like, like he's integrating himself into this prison, this is my big incredulity moment. Why is no one watching Castor Troy's body at this facility? Granted, he's in a coma. Guess what, people? People wake up from comas all the time. That's kind of how they work this. But he wakes up. No security is watching that room. No security is even in the building. Like, every single light is off. Not only that, but he is in a post-op room next to the theatre where they have just ripped off his face. And the only thing that he can see in that room is his mortal enemy's face in a jar under a spotlight. Now, if that's not going to give him an idea as to what's happened, I don't know what the fuck is. It's just bad planning. <laughs> it is. My notes were like going, 
why not have him in a medically induced coma so he can never right. wake up? Because <laughs> why would you want someone to wake up and find their face is gone just in case it's going to happen? But no, he won't. He's a vegetable. Oh, yeah. He's a turnip, I believe <laughs> they say. Turnip. Oh, yeah. sorry. Yeah. Turnip. Wow. I, know, well, I don't get why they chose that. As well. <laughs> yeah, that also that. But I don't get why they said turnip over vegetable. Was it like are they, you know, was was there some sort of issue with the word vegetable? Copyrighted, probably. And <laughs> um, maybe when the writer just hates turnips, I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just seemed like an old choice, like because I had to, I had to sort of, I had to literally stop and think and go, what do they mean by t- oh vegetable? There was like that split second where I'm like, what do they mean? <laughs> that vegetable without a face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so. The scene's very clever how you never actually see Cage's face full on without his face. It's all kind of like very quick camera angles and stuff like that. I did laugh a little bit when, like, this time, I've never really thought about it before, but how, like, Castor Troy without lips whilst trying to talk um, sounded a lot like a very bad James Stewart impression. Like it's like it's a lot of Harvey or it's a wonderful life or something. Something was just like very very off with that. But props to Nitz Cage for that uh, for for that scene. I just really love. It's disgusting, but it's really great. How like you know you see the Doctor for the first time, who is also I believe Reginald Hargreaves from the Umbrella Academy, and he says, "Oh, what do you want?" And he's just you see the very disgusting reflection, and he just goes, "Take one, goddamn guess." It's just so good. I mean, it's kind of that. That whole scene, like it, it, it shows the difference between films today and films in the nineties. Today, you would get a big reveal, and it would be pure, pretty much pure CG, and it'd be as disgusting as Agreed. they could get for that age rating. Whereas this one, like you know, they they use sort of clever, clever editing to you know not really reveal it fully. But I mean, there was one split second where you sort of see it for yep. like, right near the start and all I could picture was the Alan Partridge zombie with like a bit of biscuit like taped to his cheek <laughs> and like you know, tomato ketchup it, you know what I mean I'm guessing budget didn't allow or they just didn't go too elaborate because they knew they weren't going to film it I don't know but yeah you know it was that, that kind of thing for me it was like well I, they could have done with maybe seeing it a bit more clearly at some point just to get that shock value in do you think so I liked the way that it was all kind of like oh yeah i prefer it just just out of shot you could just and it was just long enough for you to go wince ever so slightly and then the frame change maybe it's just me i think there's a lot to be said for subtlety with something like this consider and that's really saying something for the rest of the film that is (laughs) the john woo film yeah brilliant yeah (laughs) but it's then moments like this which are just really well done with those camera angles they don't you know they don't go full bore with it they really just kind of let your imagination go a bit more with it because it's like there's something a lot more to be said where you just have this little flash of an image you just go wait fuck wait what was that and then you see it again you just like wait hang on and it really says and then you just get this close-up of this reflection which is really something even in hd now on a big screen tv is quite something (laughs) it's quite grotesque maybe maybe i'm just morbidly curious and wanted to see it and see all the gory detail, I don't know. I mean, to be fair, we live in a crystal clear freeze frame world now, Lee. If you really want, you could just skip to it. I just wanted to rattle through. I mean, I'll, I'll be honest, I, I procrastinated quite hard 
watching this. I'm, uh, hence, I've only watched it the day that we're recording this. But actually, I, I, I was... did wonder when you said to me yesterday, we're just going to so, say, oh, yeah, I'm going to watch it. I'm going to watch it today. I went, you do realise that we're recording yeah, yeah. tomorrow, right? I know. It was... <laughs> I, I came close to not watching it and I was like, no, you know what? I, I owe you this, you know, I need to watch this. And actually <laughs> by the end I was, you know, without giving away too much, I was pleasantly surprised. And, and I think I went in with quite a low expectation of this film, but actually came out the other end enjoying it. So, <laughs> you know, swings around. Anyway, slight spoilers there, but carry on. So we're just about to go into the first switched face-off moment. So Archer has found the location of this bomb. Pollux has given him the location because he thinks he's talking to his brother. He burns a bridge a little too quickly, I find. He could have like had a little bit more chill about it, but instead he calls him pathetic and then runs away. And then he believes that he's going to be picked up by his friend Tito, but he's staring back at himself. Something quite poetic about it, but of course then he is so confused by what's going on. And this is where we get into, obviously we touched on this earlier, possibly the best performance in the movie. I would actually go as far as to say that John Travolta playing Nick Cage is a treat in itself. I think both of them in this movie is great, but you can certainly tell that Nick Cage playing Archer is okay. That's what but I'm John Travolta playing Nick Cage is phenomenal. It's it's still a good performance, but it just kind of once he kind of has that change, he just plays it a little bit too straight, a little bit too neat. Yeah. But then that's just kind of I think heightened because yeah, John Travolta playing Nicolas Cage playing Caster Troy playing Sean Archer. Is playing a, Caster Troy <laughs> is, a, is a phenomenal performance it yeah. really is like yeah. he gets all of his little like quirks his like hand movements his like the way he almost like dances across a room like the way he just moves and, and glides it's just so well choreographed and I and I, I don't know like if they spent any time together I did or, read or somewhere they actually they spent this. a fair chunk of time together. But the way they just pick like up each other's filming. nuances is so good. Uh, I think it. I think it was written. I think I read on IMDb they spent about two weeks together prior to filming to get each other's mannerisms and agree on how they would play each character. Clearly, Travolta took more away from that than Cage did. But can you imagine being a fly on the wall in that room watching that process of these two out bananas each other for this film? <laughs> I like 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 I I'd, I'd go broke watching that. I think that's incredible. Be <laughs> throwing money at the screen. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so Troy as Archer, obviously he's he's stitched him up, torched all the records. Anyone that knows about what has gone on and stuff like that, they are gone, burned. It's all gone up in flames. So now he holds the keys to the kingdom, and Archer is going to spend the rest of his life in prison that we see, like, literally no time has passed at all, using the Lannister gauntlet of teleportation, <laughs> Sean Archer, a.k.a. Caster Troy, magically finds himself in his car, driving to Archer's home. And, Lee, yeah, this boils down to what you were saying before. Like, 
if he knows where he lives, if he even remotely knows which street, how has Archer survived up until this point? How is he not dead? So he's been going to work for like the last day or so, right? So surely, surely he's like, you know, he must have at some point had to have gone to that house to get a change of clothes or something. Well, yes, because this is the next thing that you see. Like, you don't see him back on back in LA yet. All you see is the fact that like Pollux has been removed from prison. So yeah, there has been time for him to leave, strike the deal, get Pollux out of prison, and then go home. And this this prison is offshore. We find out later. Yes. Yeah. I yeah. I have a big incredulity about that. That's quite <laughs> funny. But this again. Tired of hearing the word peach in this film. Like the whole like initial scene with 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 Castor speaking to Eve is just it's just yeah un- un- uncomfortable. But not e- but not as uncomfortable as what we see next when he goes into the house. And goes into his daughter's room. Mm. Not, not a fan. Don't like that. Not at all. Nope. And what was and obviously it's because like he leans over to go and get the cigarette, like, like to grab the cigarettes that she's smoking. But yeah, there's, yeah, I I don't know how that bit came about. I'm surprised that hasn't been like. I mean, I watched it on Amazon Prime, so you know it wasn't cut. But like, has have Disney edited it out? Like you know, no, nope. no. still in still there. It's still in it. It is. This is going to sound a very weird thing to say. Like you kind of need that because then there is a moment where, like, he's smoking later and offers her a cigarette. If she wasn't smoking, because she is at that point in the seat, it wouldn't have made any sense whatsoever. So mm. context-wise, it makes sense. It's just one of those things where, so like, I mean, I like we know that Troy is just deviant scum at this point. I don't think we need to see this in the skin of her dad. It just seems a step too far. Yeah, it's a bit creepy. So we cut across to the top-secret FBI office that every terrorist knows where it is because they get interrogated (laughs) there every five minutes. Pollux is being treated like royalty, hasn't given up anything yet, and he has this discussion off-camera with with Castor as to what they need to do because he's going to defuse the bomb and come off as the hero, and then he's going to work his way up in the FBI and take shit down from the inside. But one thing that got me is that, like, it's it, this must be, as a as a performer, I, I, I'm wondering if this is quite a therapeutic thing because, like, Troy as Archer is saying some really derogatory stuff about himself in that body. So you've got John Travolta saying lines, but just saying it's like, imagine how I feel. This voice, this nose, this ridiculous chin. I'd imagine there's something quite, quite odd about slagging yourself off like that for the sake of for the sake of camera to be that self-deprecating. Mm-hmm. I get like like it jumps across so much because then Eve comes home from from the hospital. We find out she's a she's a very successful doctor, and it's date night. And we find out that it's date night from the fact that like Troy has been read her diary. Totally glossed over this when I was younger. For some reason, I thought it was Sean's diary, and I thought he was reading it from the perspective of Sean, not that it was actually Eve's diary because there's actually reference. Like I actually paused it and read more. <laughs> of the entry and it's actually talks about like the night that he goes away was actually date night and so he sets this big candlelit dinner up i'm jumping ahead so we got the we got the bomb haven't we yeah he he mm. does the he does the bomb first then speaks to the president that's right that's right now that's a big thing as well like how is he going to debrief that bomb defusal 
when he comes to after he kicks out the bomb disposal team and all of a sudden like everything's okay how is he going to put that in paperwork just got because the no wires have been cut or anything like that it's like meh just got lucky with the right pin code meh. there is very little suspicion thrown at him in that office like the fact that he you know there's they, they make a point of it don't they like at one point earlier in the film she calls him and there's another call on another line or, or then they go out don't they to get caster it's like oh yeah put her on hold or whatever take a message yeah this time it's like oh tell the president to wait and it's like at no point you know not even a cutaway of someone going that's out of character like everything at the moment yeah but it's another one she goes have you had have you had a surgical um you've had surgery recently he's like She's like, what? Mm. Someone says you remove the stick up your ass. I'm thinking you completely changed who that character is. Yeah. And no one's questioned it. Mm. And going back, sorry, I was going to go back to the bomb. How the fuck did they let him in there? Very I mean, well, he, any... is the, he is the head of this. I know, but there's like, there's just hit two bomb people and him. And they let this guy, like, not even, no, there's no protection. <laughs> no, not even anything. Just like, yeah, you fuck off. You've got a minute and a half and these bomb, these professionals going, yeah, we can't believe you this shit. <laughs> in the time oh don't worry <laughs> I don't know where it, the button is it is, it is just insane and again you've got the bit where he's like dancing taking his coat off like a fucking matador it's just but it, that again is still quite open you can see everyone down below so I'm assuming they must have some cameras or someone watching yeah. him <laughs> Oh, yeah, there's some helicopter camera around somewhere by just going, not going to believe this shit. He just typed in the fucking pin code and it's disarmed. Yeah. <laughs> no one's picking up on that, but all of a sudden it's like, oh, thank God that this nuclear-level device hasn't <laughs> like taken out like five miles and Gulf War syndrome and all that sort of thing. No one's going to look, but how did you disarm it? Well, hey, what's that over there? You know, it's... <laughs> <laughs> And obviously the media in this got it all wrong. He diffused it with two seconds left on the clock, but they said only one. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's got two on there, isn't it? I thought that. It didn't, didn't really... It was... What got me? He puts the code in and he looks at the clock and it's still counting down and he's got his look on this face of just going, did I put the right code in? Yeah. And carried on. But then after all that and the celebrations and stuff and the very inappropriate ass grab of the secretary, did you catch that? Mm. Uh, what like how, like how is he not how is this woman not going to HR how is she not getting this like he's never done that before uh, like I say so many things it just the more you pick apart <laughs> the less and less it works <laughs> so we cut to date night Castor as Archer is thrown on this big lavish candlelit dinner for Eve after a hard day at the hospital and they're having this moment, he's trying to be very romantic, sweeps her off her feet and off to bed. Now, how do I touch on this without getting a little bit too Geek's Journal after dark? Um, surely, if anything, at this point, so we know that their eye colours are just about the same. They're roughly the same sort of height. But at this point, surely she would notice a difference. Surely there would be some indication. The scar as well, without going, you know, keeping it PG, the scar that he has removed did, that's never mentioned where the caster gets that added on. Because surely she would go, where's your scar gone? Yeah, yeah. That fucking yeah. bullet hole that's, that's really massively significant. Yeah. 
I can't. Yeah, I just like like yeah. I can't believe like 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 throughout the course of this, there's not a single moment where you would have thought it's like I don't remember that curve. Like you know, it's <laughs> see one dick you see in them all, mate. That's, that's what I'm told. <laughs> I mean, where do you get those skills from? <laughs> that's a different move. <laughs> <laughs> But just going back to the scar, though, like throughout the entire <laughs> film, they go on about the scar. It's like, I, I need this, keep this. Yeah. And it's like, but hang on, what about the bloody great entry scar on his back? Hmm. Surely that sucker would have like torn straight through him. Like, what's so important about the front one? But they're like, what, they just like, forget about it, the I one guess. on the back? It's probably no, not it's, it's nothing. It's just a flippant thing. But it's just like, he must have like a, like, a hole like this. In his back. No, exit wounds are bigger than entry wounds. If you want to be really dark about it, I mean that kid's well, head is well, yeah. Like, can we can we stop saying exit and that? entry, please? This is... <laughs> Especially when you start to watch the sex scene, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, if you don't know if the difference between the benefit of the front and the back, Ollie, I don't think I want to carry on having this conversation with you. <laughs> I think you two need to have a talk off off mic. <laughs> About the birds and the bees. I think Gareth needs to have a talk with himself. He's getting well too excited about um, John Travolta bits. <laughs> oh, God. You mean you weren't <laughs> thinking that? No, I just like it. So that's a yes. <laughs> like I say, the more you unpick it, the more it unravels. And that definitely, definitely was a big one. Or, or Stop may not touching have been. it then. What are you doing? <laughs> I was going to say, Lee, just leave it alone then. We'll off. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> Moving on. We cut back to the prison and we're just about to have a yet another insane action moment where Archer decides that he needs to get out and the only way that he can do that, which he finds out from Thomas Jane, is to get into the clinic because that's the only place where they take off the Goomba boots right before they give you the most violent shock therapy I've ever seen in a movie. And I've seen Requiem for a Dream. This is, like, this was just crazy. And I just found it hilarious, like, I just found it hilarious, like, because there's the moment, like, like he gets into the clinic by starting a fight with a guard for a cigarette, and it's, again, he's trying to capture this essence of Castor Troy to get where he needs to get to. And then he breaks out of the chair and he fights but not before, but not without the help of Duboff, who's the man who beats the shit out of him before, because he finds out that he had uh, he had a threesome with Duboff's wife and sister the night that he was sent to this supermax prison. And so he lies to him as he's there, vegetated on the floor, and said, "I didn't do any of those things. She loves you. She's waiting for you. Let's get out of here." And then all of a sudden, he just starts speaking very monosyllabically. Mind you, I suppose you would after treatment like that. It seems a bit it, like it seems a bit crazy. And all he does is like like he he breaks him out of the chair and just goes out. But what is ridiculous is that like as it goes, like he is that they're they're shooting guards left and right, and there are these two guards in the in the room, like power management room or what have you, and Duboff's about to shoot them. And Archer then breaks in, grabs the gun and goes, Duboff! No! And shakes his head like he's talking to a child or the Hulk. <laughs> It's like it's like the bit with Dalton and Blanca in Street Fighter. That's what it's like. But also, do you notice it just basically looks like the Death Star firing control room as well, with all the bloody consoles and shit around. <laughs> You're expecting that that guy in the massive helmet to then like pull the lever down and you hear the boom. <laughs> noise One right thing before. I did notice with this whole film is 
they are good, like Travolta and Cage. They're but their characters are very good shots. Um, but when he steals a handgun at this fight, you know, there's a guy up, one of the guards up on the walk is fully armored, but he like body armor. If you look at him, it looks like a proper body armor, and takes him down with a couple of shots that technically you can see ping off. There's like a couple of bits that ping off the rails. I don't know what hit him or what, but I mean, <laughs> it's just sort of like, well, wow. right, he's down, but I'm sure he got some protection there. Without wanting to be all inside baseball about it, like <laughs> a bulletproof vest, yeah, it will stop the bullet penetrating. But I mean, that is still a fucking big old trauma. That is a big old hit. Oh yeah, stopping something from saying, going, but... you know, stupidly fast to nothing. It's going to knock you over. It's going to knock the wind out of you. It's not like you, you well, know, yeah, but I mean, like you, I would have thought he'd gone backwards <laughs> then when he got shot and over the rails rather than going to the side. Who who knows physics? Who knows? Okay. <laughs> Science, bitch. I mean, <laughs> as the least of the worry, when the next thing you know, when he throws the jar, the the huge jar of sulfuric acid, why is th- why that is easily accessible in a prison <laughs> clinic? I have no idea. As they throw that up and just shoot it, he's also clearly trying not to kill. But I mean, let's be honest, they ain't getting out of that unscathed. No mention is made of them and all the compensation they may get if they even survive from being horribly badly maimed by sulfuric acid vapor i mean Wait, if that's gonna saying... burn their insides right it's not even it's not even the superficial damage to their outer levels it's are you trying to say that the personnel of air one that go along with the whole where there's blame there's claim deal <laughs> no i'm essentially saying that he's he's fucked them that he's, he's trying by by trying not to kill them he has yeah he's he probably has, done he has worse. killed them yeah it's, or, or worse he's like you know life-changing to the point of you know debilitating which is equally as bad it is. It is an insane moment. I'm still not overly sure what the point of like the overload of the generators were, unless it was just a distraction. Because Apparently, there's a big. You can do that just by doing this. <laughs> Doesn't even click a mouse. Just type. Just type it in. He knows his codes, doesn't he? It certainly does. <laughs> just and, types and in overload. Which then apparently causes a massive fireworks display in the middle of a prison. <laughs> Don't don't you do that when you work in IT, right? Don't you wire the fireworks to the to the power generators that are all accessible via the mainframe and a keyboard? Yes, but mine plays music at the same time. Come ah. on. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> <And> then during. <laughs> it's like uh, hello, yeah, it's IT, yeah. Um, the fireworks don't seem to be primed. Can we can we get someone on that, please? Just in case there's an overload. During during the escape, Archer gets to the to- gets to a door. He's breaking out, and you think like I don't know what his plan was after this. Surely he knows about this place, so he knows where he's going to be. But yet he gets to the platform, and then you find out that it's on this like old oil rig or what have you in the middle of the sea, not in the middle of nowhere, mind you. The shore is about three miles away. Like, it's in really close proximity. I mean, this thing, that sort of his reaction coming out, just reminded me of um, I can't remember, the, the Basie Fortress, the movie. You know, um, with... Um, yes. Yep. Just, Christopher Lombard. Like, yeah. That's it. When, just when he comes out, he goes like, oh, shit, you think you're escaping, and you realise where it is. Um, but yeah, it wasn't that far off. But when he eventually jumps into the water and they go they they just give up give up straight away yeah, yeah, yeah. that's it he's gone i'm like <laughs> what he's dead found a body no oh. <laughs> interesting fact about air one it's an anagram yep 
of no- nowhere. Nowhere. You actually said it, G, yourself. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Apparently, it's from it's from a book, isn't it, Damien? I think. I, yeah. I'm not sure yeah. the entire. No, I yeah, I can't remember the actual, but yeah, it's a. So they took it from a book where it's the same same thing. Yeah. Mm. All right. I oh, did find. Sorry, before you go on, one little um cinematic piece of actual like a bit of detail that I quite appreciated was the fact when he comes out into the daylight there's a scene of him like blinking and letting his eyes adjust and yeah. you know you never see it's very rare that you see someone react to an explosion by like cupping their ears and like you know tinnitus you know it's not a thing really or, or like you know changes in light level and that was that was quite a nice little subtlety I thought there are some nice little moments and, 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 and do not get me wrong yes we are picking the bones off this movie but that doesn't remove as always any love that we have for any concepts or moments or performers nicholas cage i'm I'll, I'll, I'll go straight out and say this now on front street is a goddamn treasure the work that he has put in over the years is outstanding say what you will about the work that he has done yes some of it is crazy yes some of it is bad but this is a man that just loves to work and you can see the effort in that craft and it is little moments like that just little things that he does really makes a difference and I don't think he gets enough props with this movie. I don't think John Travolta gets enough props with this movie than they should these days. I think this is, it's not a forgotten treasure, but it's certainly one that doesn't like do the rounds nearly as much as it should. So for our tens or fifteens of listeners out there that are doing this, spread the word and get more people watching this movie. <laughs> what was very strange in this, like I just remember the moment like where Troy gets told that Troy died on air one trying to escape and he wants to see the body in that time. And what I'm going to say no more than six hours, like literally a matter of hours during that time from morning, afternoon to evening, Archer has swam through the sea to the LA shore, found a restaurant in the middle of like, like in the middle of the city hasn't been detected by anyone and his bone dry <laughs> doesn't look drenched at all no fresh clothes nothing like that he's still walking around and it's like in the clothes that he that he was in the prison with but bone dry mad maybe the swim only took him an hour and then the other five hours he dried off <laughs> it's quite a distance okay I'm joking, Ollie, I'm joking. You the, can't swim. Yeah, you can't swim three miles yeah, in an hour. Yeah, in Ollie, my mind. Ollie, as the most insanely healthy person Actually, amongst the rest of us. So I'm just trying to like equate it to like, so I know that the leisure centre, to swim a mile at the leisure centre is about 66 laps. And that could probably take about, oh my God, I don't know. 40 minutes to an hour so so that's a mile that's like in a flat swimming pool in no a lane currents, yeah. with, with no current no tide then no sharks no sharks no shipping lanes <laughs> and then as soon as you get to the coast you are also going to have rips as well plus fishing trawlers so this is like say three miles in a jumpsuit as well and actually and let's bear in mind as well that this is john travolta inside nicholas cage's body he won't have the stamina and the heart and the lungs that yep. nicholas cage he may have that six pack which i don't know why he didn't keep at the end 
<laughs> so, yeah, I... I've got it. Go on. I've got, right. Skipping ahead slightly, like, in terms of the film, the, the, the final chase scene, he can barefoot water ski, therefore he's pretty good in the water. <laughs> that, he just rises to the surface oh. yeah, he just, and just, like, scoots along. He's like Aquaman, or he, like, yeah, he, he finds a jet ski and just hitches a ride on that. Yeah. Or like you know, a, a, a surf dude turtle happens to be riding the uh, Atlantic Current. <laughs> Again, we we find out because like he's jacked this car from this restaurant, and there is, of course, there is a mobile phone left in the glove compartment. No, no, it isn't. A that car phone. is a car phone. That is That's one a hell phone. of a fucking phone. That. <laughs> Gen Z's out there, before there was Bluetooth to connect your mobile, there used to be a brick attached inside a car as a landline in your car. It was it, it, it was crazy. I never actually saw one. I did. We had a family friend who had one. It was, it was a fucking beast. Huge. Just unbelievable. But during it, like, they ring the hospital. He's trying to get hold of Eve to warn her to get out of the house that man is not your husband and if you notice like it's only through the good grace of this these huge explosions swimming three miles doing this that and the other that only now is this laryngeal chip starting to act up a little bit but even then goes right back to what you should be doing so like they were saying not like four days ago a violent sneeze would dislodge this so please be careful this and Keith Richards are the only things that will survive a nuclear holocaust. <laughs> there is... It has had several lickings and is still ticking. It is a marvel of fictional science. I'm just amazed that it has gone through as much as it did. <laughs> so whilst this is happening, he then goes to... He's going to Dietrich's apartment... Which I thought was a really interesting choice. Again, how does he know? How did he know where it was? Oh, I suppose. Oh, he knows that he knows where he 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 knows yeah. where all the time. I mean, cop, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, but he, yeah. he pulled him in and interrogated him. But he knows where everything good, about them. Good point. Now this scene is shocker, completely bananas, and left me with so many questions. So of course he's going in to lay low to this terrorist that he has arrested so many times has put away but feels as though it's the only choice in order to lay low and do what needs to be done Dietrich gives him a case and he opens it and there is some weed some pills and his guns the guns that would have been taken away by the FBI at the scene of his death and would be in the bureau at this point are they the exact same guns or are they another set of guns? Slash, does he have a contact in the FBI where he could bust them out? Maybe, because it's the same money clip as well. Because um, ah. you, you see at the start, it's um, when he's like, he goes to pay the... Isn't that just yes. a hair clip? Guy. Sorry? Isn't that just a hair clip rather than a bespoke well, money clip? Yeah, yeah, it looks like it. <laughs> it's just a hair, a hair thing, isn't it? I'm sure From his Conair days. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But it's the same thing because I thought that going. Oh, they're diff- different weapons, and I thought, oh no, same. They it's look the same all case, stuff in there. It? It's the same case and everything that he had mm. um, back of the plane. So he must have Dietrich must have somehow got hold of it. 
Yeah. But it's just a bit of a trope with like John Woo, isn't it? The um the double gun thing. Yeah. Because I think so it's just one of his things he does. <laughs> um yeah, that was one thing we, we didn't touch on during that airport shootout scene near the beginning is there's the old characteristic flying out the door the two yeah. flying yeah. out I almost yeah, yeah. I almost called that a Max Payne move just then and I realised that is that <laughs> Max Payne did not originate that move John no, Woo like originated John that Woo move from like um, Hard Target and, and Killers and stuff and it's yeah. the same going back to like the comment you made earlier G about the the gunfight in the warehouse where it's almost like a one shot kind of a thing that's a very like John Woo kind of a it's cheaper, if anything, to get cheaper. the multi angles on one go, right? Because you don't have to reset. Yeah, and go but again. like, but follow, yeah. following the actor as he goes through a scene, shooting up people—that's a—that's very much like a, a trope of his as well. Because you, you've got to like—we haven't given him much like credit either, really. He hadn't really—he'd only just kind of like broken into like Hollywood at this point, hadn't he? I mean, he'd been a massive, massive star in like the Asian action films for a long time. And then what had he done before this? It was like Broken it was hard Arrow and... Hard Target, Broken Arrow, sorry, yeah, yeah. And yeah, there was like another one, but... So yeah, the link back to John Travolta playing another villain. That's yeah, a good he, film. But this was like where he was like really making his name for him, himself, wasn't he? Before he like moves on to um, oh, Mission Impossible 2. Was that next? Yeah. I like Mission Impossible 2. <laughs> yeah. That's where Again, I stopped watching the Mission Impossible series. More face-removing stuff and uh, voice changes and double gun shooting. And misogyny. Well, there's and less misogyny. of that in this. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't, well, I wouldn't say that. Well, yeah. It's more overt in Mission Impossible 2. You're a woman. Of course you'd say that. <laughs> well, yeah, but it's only overt from Anthony Hopkins in that one scene. Everything else is Sandy Newton kicking ass, really. But mm-hmm. there's just that line from Anthony Hopkins which hasn't aged particularly is, is well. Is it Anthony Hopkins or is it to Grace Scott? No, it's Anthony Hopkins because he's saying something like to, 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 uh, to lie to a man and take her to bed. She's a woman. What more skills does she need? That's it. That's like 10 minutes into the film. Yeah, it's, oh, it's horrendous. It's not a good line. But this, this moment, so you find out that Pollux is spying on Archer because they know where he's going to go. Like, in order to be Caster, he's going to have to think like him and go to this place. And he's spying on him. And this is where we get back to the to the, to the the caginess of it all. This is where, because he... Like, Dietrich puts, crushes up like a pill in like a massive glass of vodka or something like that, and they neck it, and they just trip balls for about two minutes straight. <laughs> And this is where you get what was 100% improvised by Nick Cage. This whole monologue about tiny surgery was all Nick Cage. Yeah, I said his face off. And I don't know why. I still chuckle now where he goes like, now if you excuse me, I have to go to the little boy's wee-wee room. <laughs> I don't know why it makes me chuckle. It's just like, like again... No way it was scripted. 100% improvised because no one would ever consider writing that line. But somehow, Nicolas Cage just carries it. It's it, it's just absolutely crazy. While this is going on, Troy is at Archer's house and he hears this commotion outside because he sees Jamie, he sees Archer's daughter, pull up in the car with her boyfriend, guy that she's seeing, whatever, um, who starts being... A little bit too 
hands on and and and, and tries to uh, tries to force himself on her, and that's when Troy as Archer comes out, beats the living shit out of him, and then and then get like Janie goes, in, and then Jamie goes inside. Oh, I think you should leave that in, mate. That's that's a good little because uh, doesn't he do that exact same mistake with her name? Yeah, when he first meets her. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think just <laughs> Janie. Uh, I mean, yeah, yeah, like Jamie. God, he's got me doing it. Damn. <laughs> But this was a moment that this time around, I just went, wait, hang on, hang on a second. I think is whilst this is going to be an incredibly mentally crippling moment for them once they understand what's going on and people aren't who they say they are and this, that and the other. This is some very healing moments that this family is having via Castor Troy. Like, he is being a better husband to Eve than the real <laughs> Archer is being, in general, more attentive and so forth and and, 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 and and communicating and things like that. And you've got this moment that he has with Jamie where he calls her out on this bullshit completely and says, you've not been the same since Mike died, hiding behind this facade, this someone else's face, this, that, and the other, calling out the bullshit. And the second that, that happens, she steps away from that sort of from this sort of social disguise and whatnot and accepting things and it's almost like he's trying to right some wrongs like he wanted to kill archer and this is something that we find out later like michael's death was an accident but he definitely wanted to kill archer but the impact that that has had and almost as though the impact that he's seeing it having on these two women he's trying to make amends i suppose i'm saying i didn't necessarily see it as like trying to make him sympathetic i thought it was more of a just kind of a almost like the irony of it is that he is better for them in some ways than archer was yeah like i I just think it's a you know i i'm gonna talk to you like real talk kind of thing like you know rather than dance around it and, and hide away like your father like your real father does it's like that's the way i that's what i took from that yeah, he's being a better archer at the moment than Archer is, mm. which is crazy. And we cut back and we come back to Gina Gershon, who has sparked out Archer at this point. <laughs> and he sobers up. And he's getting some clothes on. He's getting ready to go because he's going to get Dietrich's help in getting Archer because he's going to. It's very. Like, you almost lose the thread at this point where he just goes, I know this is Archer, I know it's Troy, but Archer as Troy is going to get Troy, who is Archer, and then swap faces, but then pretend to be Troy being Archer, but it's actually Archer pretending to be Troy, but is Archer again. And I go in cross-eyed actually just trying to explain (laughs) that. And then you get, really, the only big reveal in the film, because everything else is out on Front Street, that the only big reveal that you have in this is that Adam, who is the son of Sasha, Gina Gershon's character, is actually Castor Troy's. Not a big shock, but it's something that like you don't really get spelled out. And then she really rips the Band-Aid off on that one, like, obscenely quickly. It's like, oh yeah, he's like, at no point does she go, why am I explaining this to you again? You know this yeah. is your kid. Why are you asking who this kid is? What, what is wrong with she you? She doesn't. She doesn't. No, no, no. He doesn't know. 
Troy oh, not, never uh, knew. He, uh, okay. She said, I never told you because it's like she never told anyone because of if they tried to use him to get to Troy. Gotcha. Not that Castro Troy would have given a fuck yeah, at all. Yeah, okay. That makes more sense. I missed that particular bit. And then we have the most insane gunfight to follow in Dietrich's apartment where you have like basically every SWAT team at the FBI's disposal just completely gunned down this apartment. Yeah, that 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 team of FBI agents are simultaneously the best and worst shots in the entirety of human history, given that they managed to hit every other target that they're aiming for except the main cast, funnily enough. <laughs> there was only actually one tactical guy who I thought was actually doing the best job when he actually saw that there was a child in front of him, lowered his weapon. Whereas when they first try shooting at Caster... Archer in this case, they're in a big floor-to-ceiling window room where they can blatantly see a child. But no, we're going to have 15 people with rifles unload in this bedroom. To be fair, that is Caster directing them, so he might have said, I don't care, kill the kid. And, you know, for the convenience of plot, they're going to go along with it, I guess. That's it. He wouldn't have known it was his child, would he? So... There are some fun moments in that. Like, I do like Dietrich's line of just going to say, damn, my place is getting fucked up. And then (laughs) Caster is just laughing hysterically on the rooftop, which, again, you would think people are saying, why are you finding this funny, Archer? Yeah. <laughs> this, this man took a dark turn. All this doesn't sudden. work. Is he? Has he lost it? Is he okay? And as a, as like, I've watched this film countless times over the years. I still get anxiety seeing little Adam standing on that glass floor on like the second level in the apartment he's like on this weird like why do you have a glass floor like that yeah it's like this mezzanine in the apartment this second floor and he's on this like glass floor bit and I know what happens but I'm still watching this just going (laughs) I mean bullets don't always fly up through glass floors mate it's not it's not standard standard feature of glass flooring just 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 FYI no just the ones where bullets are flying around the room (laughs) in that particular instance but while we're being serenaded by Over the Rainbow, sang by Olivia Newton-John, the version of the song, which I believe was actually a choice by John Travolta <laughs> to get his old pal to... Could have chosen physical. <laughs> that would have been a better, better fit for the scene. <laughs> that would have upped the tempo of the, uh, the scene, wouldn't it? <laughs> like, I do like, when they're trying to get away, they're in that, like... Uh, entrance hallway bit that like octagonal room hall of mirrors hall of mirrors Mm. where you see it's just a great shot where like troy is almost treated like the boogeyman like there's just such atmosphere to it where he's walking down the steps and he's looking and he's pointing the gun when they have that little showdown in that like room where like you know archer picks up that submachine gun and just like you know spraying bullets all around how fucking fast does Troy run? To to be able to outrun someone doing like a, a sweeping motion with with a submachine gun across Intra- in Travolta's body, no less. Yeah, yeah. Jesus <laughs> Christ, the guy's like the Flash. Also, it's the directions he goes as well. Because one minute he's like running like to the right, and then like he's the other yeah. other going left, and it's just he's just all over the place. But as you were kind of like saying, G, that he is a little bit like the boogeyman in that he's just like he's there and then he's not he is this like elusive character 
Yeah. And they are giving each other like this runaround constantly. So just like just before this second iconic moment, like back to back on the mirrors and stuff, which is just it's probably like one of the shots that they use the most, like photo wise in that film. It's just a great moment. We see that the gunshot that Caster takes, he's actually aiming at Sasha and Adam. He's aiming at Sasha and the kid. I didn't click on that before, that that's what he was going to do. But then you see Dietrich steps into the way of the bullet, takes the bullet, and he tells Sasha to take the kid and get out of here. And she then runs off. Not before a moment which confuses me to this day, that he he pulls her in and and, and kisses her. Now, there have been trying to wait, find ways that I'm trying to justify it. Is that like, maybe it's a step-sibling thing. It's still not right. But it's a little bit thick. But this is still something that just blows my mind. Just in my head, screaming, But your brother and sister makes no sense. It's a crazy moment. I don't get it. There's no there's no clarification. There's no background. It's just like, do you know what would be really cool if we do that? And I don't know if there's a Nick Cassavetes improvising his ass off again. But something about this just made me go, this is crazy. Is his surname Targaryen? <laughs> well, it just, yeah, it's just an Empire Strikes Back callback, right? <laughs> I mean, yeah, because he's hiding the the wound he's got, isn't he? Holding his neck, his neck yeah. and he pulls away. Does he spout blood at this time? I know he like blood pulls out for the wound, but does he cough up blood or anything like? Because I'm thinking, surely she's gonna have a bit of a metallic taste in a, in that kiss or something. Uh, um, yes, yeah. that's the problem to take away from that scene. <laughs> and I'm just saying that's just an added factor into that whole scene. <laughs> where we find out that Adam isn't actually Troy's. <laughs> Wondered why the left eye was in the right socket. He, the he right was partial to threesomes, so he could have had it with the brother and sister. <laughs> Ew. But what I was, I'm going to move. I'm going to. I'm going to move on from right, this one. Right, guys, I'm off. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, the aren't, you know, you said about the uh, the mirror scenes being quite iconic. Yes, I guess because there aren't actually that many scenes where the two of them are together, are they? It's something I mean, like that... four minutes of screen time with each other or something, isn't it? Across is the it? whole is film? Not the yeah, something like all, that. Is it? So, yeah. you know, to get a trailer together, you're going to have to show the biggest parts, aren't you? But, I mean, as this fight kicks off, great, great bit where they're, like, you know, pointing the gun at each other, but they're seeing each other's, ref- they're seeing their reflections. I thought that was quite good. But how bad a shot? How how bad are they at shooting? At this I know point? that that's a, my notes I said earlier is like they they're really good at good shots. They could they're they're like marksman level shots. Yeah. but they can't hit each other. Yeah, and then <laughs> and like, Nick Cage is like Darth Maul. He's like you know flying around and twirling everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> also, it's quite distracting in the gunfight when you have this gung ho. Leroy Jenkins, FBI agent that just walks in and in an enclosed space just starts firing off a grenade launcher while Caster's running up the stairs. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, he just nukes the stairs right as Travolta is about to step into it. Aye, aye, aye. <laughs> Video game levels of um, <laughs> shooting there. Uh, during the escape, obviously, Pollux Troy dies uh, at the hands of Archer, he's trying to get away, and then you get, and then the same FBI agent that's literally nuked half of a room is wondering why Sean Archer is looking upset. Just going, so why are you upset? It's just Pollux Troy, and then he pops him right between the eyes. 
bullet right through the head. Now, surely, when an FBI agent dies like this, again, my exposure of this sort of knowledge is very limited, but I would imagine there would be ballistic and forensic investigations at some point to work out what gun did what. You'd have thought. And at which point they're going to look and go, wait a minute, yeah. a Sig Sauer made this made this bullet hole? That's a government weapon. Agent Archer, don't you have a Sig Sauer pistol? Yeah, how many rounds are left in that? Can you account for every round that's fired? Oh, yeah, one of them's in, in lodged <laughs> in this guy's head. We are exposed to a great piece of exposition dump by Nicolas Cage in the next scene when he goes back to Archer's home and then Eve's there. I don't know why he seemed so surprised that she was going to be there. <laughs> like, walking around the bedroom in the... I know it's during the day. It's during this the day, day. But he's managed to sneak past the FBI or cops downstairs and get in the building. That's true. Because he was already there when she... So she must have already been in the shower when he, he walked into the bed he got into the bedroom so <laughs> there's no way that he can't be that surprised that she's there honestly it was a cartoon <laughs> sitcom moment away from him just like top stop drop and rolling under the bed yeah it was just a crazy moment at what point did the cop not go who's she talking to out there there's another man up there yeah but is it like like just him explaining what's happened is it like is a fun moment but it just highlights how insane the movie has become. The plot holes in this film make it resemble a block of Swiss cheese, let's be honest. <laughs> or a, a bullet-riddled John Woo set. <laughs> so, the way that he tries to convince Eve, other than trying to give some indications that like the night that they fought in that room in the bedroom they had a fight about this and i spent the night in mike's old bed da 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 that he after all of that he comes out i said okay try this shoe on this is my blood type that's caster's blood type he doesn't say take some of my blood and i'll go away he just goes and then she has to take a blood sample from this supposed <laughs> psychotic terrorist who is apparently the heaviest sleeper on the face of the planet. I mean, that needle was large. <laughs> also. Who, who incidentally is sleeping on the side of the bed that Eve was sleeping on at the beginning. Listeners, as I'm sure most... I don't think it's just me. I would imagine when you've been together for a, an extended period of time such as this, so they've got to be together for about, like, what, 20, 25 years or something like that, you're not giving up that side of the bed. Mm. No. So I don't know how that happened, but that was just a weird plot hole for me. It's like, wait a minute, that was... No, that doesn't make sense. Following that, though, the fact is she does that, then buggers off... Knowing full well this guy could be potentially fucking dangerous, leaves him at home with the door. Doesn't ship the door off anywhere. Uh, but he, but she does try and cover it by by the fact that she's saying that she's a doctor on call. Mm, true. It's like, but if you're a doctor on call, then you would be at the hospital. That's where she is, though, isn't it? That's where he turns up. No, no, no. As in, she would be staying at the hospital. Oh, I see. Rather than like indeterminate distance away you can get stuck in traffic or anything like that makes more sense to be at the hospital true 
But also, why is no one picking up on the fact about Laius walking around with these really suspicious-looking bodyguards? Because Tommy Flanagan and the other guy is back, following him around. No one's questioning who they are. They're not looking. It's like, wait a minute. Didn't we arrest you once with Castor Troy trying to get Pollux to an airport? What's going on? Plot armor. <laughs> oh my word! And of course, like whilst the, like whilst this is happening, Castor has killed the head of the FBI. Again, he's had a heart attack. Oh, cause of death. Oh, some like heavy blows to the sternum and the face and neck and everything else. <laughs> Not just the heart attack. <clears throat> anyway. So, yes, he's had a heart attack, and somehow the heart attack caused three broken yeah, ribs. Some, somebody <laughs> kicked the shit out of him as he was having it. <laughs> Some bruising on the neck. Yeah. <laughs> and Eve does the blood test, finds out that it is Castor Troy's blood, and just has a complete... like It's, it, it's a really well-performed scene by Joan Allen, because she just crumbles completely. And then, again... Castor Troy, wanted fugitive. Granted, it's Sean Archer as him, doesn't really have the know-how to actually disappear as well as Castor Troy does, but is just wandering around a hospital, darting in and out and get past everywhere and not being recognised. They talk about uh, Victor Lazaro, who's the head of the FBI, was the head of the FBI by this point. His funeral is coming up, and that is where Sean says that, like, with, with him dead... That funeral's fucking quick, actually. I have so many things about this funeral. I'm going to jump ahead to that day, now. Like, he dies and yeah. then he's like, funeral. Get him in the ground. Ultimately, Sean Archer is now the head of the FBI, the acting head of the FBI. So Castor Troy now has the keys to the kingdom. But the speed of that uh, funeral service is not the only thing that bothers me about it. Mm. It's the fact that, like, considering this is the head of the FBI. This is a very subtle, quaint beachside funeral service. Something True. just didn't quite stand right for me on that. You wouldn't have looked at this character and just gone, he really loved the surf. It just didn't... <laughs> Also, John Woo building this scene up. You notice we don't have doves straight away. What we have is a fuck ton of slow motion seagulls. Stop it now. <laughs> it does, yeah. The bird, it goes from seagulls, pigeons, then you get the doves. Yeah. And the slow motion walking from a sunset. Yeah. So, so much slow motion in this. It is just great. Slow-mo dove. And there's a lot of doves. The doves don't actually fly to begin with as well. They're actually, like, stood around. You just see someone in the background, when... like, showing them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nah, 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 nah. More money. <laughs> <laughs> Not today. <laughs> Wait, you want, to, you want them to fly? Wings cost extra. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, this last standoff between Travolta and Cage, I'm just amazed at this point that there's actually any scenery left unchewed between them. It's a bit, bit more than just a standoff between them. It is like an 18-point Mexican standoff. <laughs> it's just like, not so fast. And then there's like eight more, like just guns pointed at various directions. So It's so good. I, I, I just love And of course, and then like Sasha turns up and chucks Archer another gun 
and so yeah everyone's just kind of like it's like it's i genuinely think this is where like the office got the idea for that moment in the after credit scene where they're, where they're doing the standoffs together but do do you think by the by the time that this standoff is finished do you believe that sasha thinks that everyone is who they look like because i've been thinking about this and I, I I don't understand how she thinks that Archer can be Archer when he's pointing a gun at his own wife. I hadn't given it that much thought, I'll, I'll be honest. And because they're all kind of looking at each other and looking away because she's looking at Troy's eyes and looking at Archer's eyes because the eye colours are vaguely different and she would clearly know that and it's just odd little moments but she still then shoots... It's a great scene, but it's just a very confusing one. Even now, after like like after breaking it down after so many years, I'm like, I don't know what she's been thinking here. If she thinks that he's actually, she would know his mannerisms surely as well, so he could see it in another person. Going, mm. uh, he's more like him. You'd be what the fuck's going on? But yeah. but then when she's dying, she says to him, "Don't let our son turn out like us." Or oh, I suppose she could be talking in terms of. Yeah, Troy and yeah. Troy us rather than Archer us. Mm. Well, like I guess also maybe that you know she hasn't like seen Caster Troy for some time. So then when Sean Archer turns up as Caster Troy, he is a very different Caster Troy. He's kind of almost like caring and loving and gentle towards Sasha and has a genuine interest in their son so perhaps she's kind of like blinded by it it's like right if we can if we get out of this we can be we can be normal we can be a we can be a family I just have to believe that we can get through this so she might just be like blinded by it all because because he does he does say something in the apartment doesn't he to her about I've said some things that I can't that yeah. made your life difficult. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he kind of like apologizes. He's he kind of like. Turns, it's a very meta moment, it, actually. Because they, they both have it, don't they? You know. Yeah. Caster Troy as Sean Archer. You know, we said it before. Says some things to um, Jamie. Well, when we get the um, what's it? What do you call it? Is it the Chekhov's gun with the flip knife? Hmm. In that whole like. Yeah awkward protection conversation that's not a Chekhov's gun I don't think no I was trying to think what what is it it's something it's like all MacGuffin yeah type yeah. thing oh yeah 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 the, the the knife is the MacGuffin isn't it it's like yeah stab, it. stab him in the thigh and twist it so it doesn't doesn't close yeah yes which of course we then see in practice but which Jamie then stabs her dad quote unquote dad in the leg doesn't seem to affect him that much he does scream quite a yeah, bit but after that he runs all the way to a boat gets on a boat not really an issue until the end of the fight but he's better better on water remember ah yeah ah you mean the three-day boat chase that we were about to embark <laughs> on <laughs> yeah but remember though there were stunt doubles for most of this yeah yeah true so that wasn't actually them so the leg was healed for that point <laughs> Also, I have to say, that last little scene where Troy as Archer had 
Jamie as the bulletproof shield, I was 100% done with the word peaches at this point. The second he said it, I just went, I'm out, I'm done. <laughs> it's enough. So we go into this boat chase, which is ridiculous, like truly outstanding, but just insane. <laughs> they basically have the 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 boat equivalent of a turducken. You have this boat <laughs> going onto a boat through another boat that explodes. It, it, it It's absolute mind-bending. But then, of course, we get to the what-the-fuck of the whole moment, which is really saying something, which is <laughs> as Archer as Troy dangling over the edge of the boat on a chain, all of a sudden, as Lee, as you mentioned earlier, all of a sudden just goes, wait a minute, if I straighten my legs, I can water ski. <laughs> what? <laughs> Physics, bitch. <laughs> Un... Bereavable. Yeah. What? It was. Is that entire scene? Totally stupid seeing that. It, I, it's stupid in a good way. I mean, the, the whole bit like before the boat like crashes through the police boat. You know, the police are firing at him. Don't hit a thing. He's on his back, and like you know, they, he manages to hit every cop. Oh, you mean the boat. short range submachine gun that he fires that apparently goes a mile and takes out five people whilst, on the boat and the on engine. A high speed, high powered boat, yeah. Yeah, he's he's clearly got that like compensator. <laughs> but the police boat technically is still on the yeah, they've got the weapons they can't even shoot for shit. I know, it's just um, the usual Hollywood trope, right? Yeah. But yeah, Jesus. But it gets better because of course then we have the moment where the boat hits the obstacle. They fly off the boat, and I want no, to go back no, to what we were talking about. The, the stunt doubles, <laughs> the very blameless stunt doubles, and they would have gotten away with it too if it wasn't for that pesky slow-mo, because <laughs> that boat that boat takes about a week to sail through the air and crash on the ground. Yeah, very true. It is, it is truly incredible, but it is absolutely fantastic. But the fact that it was it was just sloppy. Those stunt doubles look remotely nothing like yeah. Cage or Travolta, but they just suddenly decided in post-production, do you know what would look really cool? If we make this fall in, like, super slow-mo? As if they weren't going to think that all of a sudden the audience was going to go, wait a minute. So, I, like I said earlier, you know, they, they suggest that in, in some of the IMDb trivia, and they're like, granted, IMDb is not the most reliable source because it is essentially written by community rather than anything else. There are some shots earlier in the film where I believe you do see a bit of face replacement somehow. And obviously it's rudimentary back in like the late 90s. It's not You're not at the level that you get today with digital doubles and such. Yeah. But at this point, like in other films, you, you have seen stunt doubles wear like a rubber mask that looks vaguely more like the actor. None of that here. Nah, not at all. <laughs> I mean, at one point, the, the bit, right, go, dialing back to where um, Archer as Caster dives off of the oil rig, I'm pretty sure when you see the shot from behind, that is a different haircut. But, it is. Yeah. Yes. It's just like, 100. Yeah. It's just like, they're really not. Because that's what got me with the speedboat going for the police boat going up. I'm like going, the haircut's changed. <laughs> 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 that's how he knew because just from the back and you're that's a different haircut <laughs> let's not forget though look, what was this 97 four, it's four years earlier in Jurassic Park they managed to replace the stuntwoman's face with Ariana Richardson's face when she looks at the camera yes. how the fuck can they not get this right 
Unreal. Money. Yeah, money. <laughs> you won't money. Yeah, ILM mean, was not available yet. <laughs> you've seen how much they've spent on prosthetic faces and big explosions. I don't think they're too worried about doing a lot of CGI on nah, people's faces. Got that, they because got if they had, we would have had much better prosthetic... Like, they if they had, Danny we would have had a much better operation scene than we got. <laughs> so when the patrol boat blows up, why does it sound like fireworks going off? Oh yeah, you hear like the, <laughs> like the yeah, because yeah. someone pushed the button on the keyboard and the IT department. <laughs> <laughs> but now, now you don't see that leg injury come into play again. But then he gets stabbed in the other leg with the harpoon gun, right? Yeah, yeah. Not before he then gets shot with the harpoon fully, and. Nicolas Cage yells the word die for what feels like the 57th time in this movie. <laughs> die! <laughs> I can't do it. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to do it. Like the same while his eardrums, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> but it's, yeah, it's just a, yeah, it's a, it, it's a crazy, crazy moment that again, like Nicolas Cage is just dialing it up to an 11, almost becoming Caster Troy in the process. That's got to be an awkward conversation, though, with with these kids. You know, skipping ahead to the next scene where the reveal is that he takes Adam in as like a replacement. That's an awkward conversation. I killed your dad with a harpoon gun on the beach because I wanted to. I'm gonna I'm gonna come back to that because there's like I I have so much to say about that scene. But like first, not before that final scene, do we get every FBI agent under the sun? <laughs> Don't know how they worked out where they was going to end up. Like, there's literally about 10 seconds taken bef- between Caster Troy in Archer's body dying, Archer sitting down, doing the usual protagonist oh, sigh of relief moment, and then literally 10 seconds later, not even that, sirens. And they say, are you okay, Archer? Now, okay. Yes, they would, like, like they seem to be jumping to that quite quickly given everything that's going on but that boat chase did last two days so it probably would give Eve enough chance to actually compile the evidence that she would need to to say no I'm not crazy here you go (laughs) because if they're coming to that conclusion already because of weird business that has been going on they would have got to the bottom of that days ago (laughs) I know because I I thought like have they got all this information enough to say oh they have switched and know about this technology. So there must be another government branch somewhere going, oh, we knew this happened. Sorry, we just didn't put two and two together to go, yes, we swapped this face with so-and-so, yeah. Also, also, Eve says to Sean, they're bringing in, like, these experts in from DC. Who are they? (laughs) People who invented technology. (laughs) Oh, dear. And, yes, we then jump ahead, an indeterminate period of time and this is yet again another incredulity moment because i'm going to say okay so post-op plus psychological trauma archer drives home alone to collect a minor from the next of kin of the late mother a child that he has no legal claim to whatsoever rocks up on his doorstep and basically introduces him to his wife and child. Like, can we keep him? And <laughs> found this kid on the street. I'll feed him and, and play with him every day. And all Eve says afterwards is, "Okay, what? Yep. 
Not before he has a very awkward face palm <laughs> moment with Jamie. Oh, yeah. If you were a little bit older, that kid would have gone, get the fuck away from yeah. me. <laughs> what the fuck was say, that? Oh, let... Hi, Adam, say, I'm Jamie. <laughs> yeah. let, me, let, me show your, let me show you your room that's still got photos of my late brother in it that's going to freak you yeah. out completely. Yeah, you can have the room of a dead child. I just see it cut into like a couple of weeks later and this poor kid is now wearing like the the, the, the dead child's clothes, like the hair's been cut. He's been like renamed. Is he wearing and someone else's like, face? <laughs> yeah, and he's got, Michael. Like, a face. yeah, yeah, you, yeah. You find out. So your name's Michael now. Yeah. <laughs> it's like cutting well, it off. When you're the head of the FBI, you can do whatever the fuck you like. Yeah, we know. Still the, there we know. We, yeah, we have. We have the technology we now. We know experts. <laughs> yeah, experts from DC. Yeah. Oh that's god, the, that's can the you, new oh. explainer now. If ever we get a plot hole in another film that we review, we're like, how did they figure that out? Experts from DC. <laughs> and uh, a... if they ever heal really quickly, new antibiotics. Yes, today's antibiotics. <laughs> there's Those a great antibiotics. There's a great moment. I don't know if you've ever seen Spy, the movie Spy with Melissa I McCarthy. I have seen a heavily edited version, yes. There's this great moment where Jason Statham, who's one of the special agents in the CIA, because everyone's been exposed and he's just in the briefing, you go, all right, change your plan. I'll go into the face-off machine, get a brand new face, and then I, and then I'll go out and stop the bad guys. And, <laughs> and Alice and JD's just there, just going, "So, do you have change? Because it only takes quarters." You go, "What? I got to pay?" You go, "No, because it doesn't fucking exist." <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, oh, that ending, that ending. There was actually an alternate ending. Oh. Was was it actually them in the boat that crashed rather than stunt doubles? <laughs> <laughs> yes, the stunt doubles assumed their identities and lived happily ever after. No, what Together. happened? It was called the boat that Together. wouldn't slow down. <laughs> so aside of the potential therapy that this Adam child is going to need for years, going aside, I was I was happy with my aunt, and now I'm in this place. I don't know these people. I don't know why they brought me home. They keep calling me Adam. They keep calling me Michael. No, the alternate ending is in the evening. Eve and Sean are getting ready for bed. Sean is washing his face and he looks up and sees Troy's face in the mirror, hmm. which you could almost kind of see. Like, you could almost kind of understand that. But then Eve comes into the bathroom, sees Sean's reflection but sees Caster's face as well. So they are sharing in this hallucination. And then they they hug as if to say, oh, thank God it's over. But Sean's got this look on his face and it's almost like a smirk. Is it not the Nicolas Cage, you don't say sort of face? <laughs> yeah. It's very, like, it's like, like it was almost like, like in the end, like the studio made John Woo change it because they thought the ending was too ambiguous. But clearly what they were trying to aim towards is that like, is that actually Archer? Or did Caster still survive? <laughs> Face Who's off been real two. Along? Face off two. Face back? This this yeah, this time it's personal? No. You can't really get much more personal than a face. Face off two, electric I mean, boogaloo. There you, you go. <laughs> yes. <laughs> they just put resurrection at the end of things nowadays, don't yeah, they? Yeah, reloaded. Face off reloaded. Regurgence. <laughs> Resurrection. Re- uh, renaissance refilled refilled 
redone. <laughs> Refilled. <laughs> and that that's the film. A lot longer than I remember. Didn't feel like it though. All what, two hours and twenty minutes mm. of it? The pace of it is crazy. As always, I do have a little bit of trivia to go around it. So this movie had Rotten Tomato scores of 92% with the critics, only 82% with audiences, which I found was quite strange. I thought it would be the other way around. Plot holes. Yeah, but usually the critics are the ones that slam it. I don't know. Did they Did they sort of see it like, it, is it that pretentious critic thing where it's like, oh, John Woo, you know, he's not that big at that yeah. point. Is it like, oh, yeah, you know, he's, he's this aspiring direct, young director from you know, Asian cinema and he's come over here and given us a film that is, you know, decent, but it's, you know, a little bit wacky and not quite there, but pretentious critics are like lapping that shit up. Yeah. Possibly. Or they go down the performance road. Like could be. Yeah. Could you know, be. Strong performances from and they are absolutely mm. brilliant performances. Yeah. You know, their impersonations, as we've said, of each other are are brilliant they are really good and very very convincing like that that scene where like john travolta walks in and is just like ooh wee good looking <laughs> and like <laughs> some of the lines he comes out with are so cast to troy and so, so perhaps good. looking looking at it from that point of view as well perhaps they like you know i can believe that the critics rating was probably quite high and as lee says yeah there's a lot of stunt doubles and (laughs) plot holes it's a clumsy film but it's still i'd I'd like i think there's a lot of love for it really didn't it have an oscar Um, nomination for something i hope it wasn't special effects no stunt team (laughs) yeah probably it wasn't editing either (laughs) yeah certainly wasn't editing i'm gonna look this up let's do it live so the budget was actually uh, around the $80 million mark. Uh, US domestic, it made uh, just under $112,300,000. And international just made under $133 million and a half. It was actually $133,400,000 internationally. So globally made nearly $250 million. Oh, and that was at time of release in, in, in 1997. So the Oscar nomination was for the best effects and sound effects editing. So that firework <laughs> was an Oscar nominated <laughs> firework noise. <laughs> and the odd, plus, plus the odd, plus the odd Wilhelm scream as well. <laughs> Do you know, I didn't hear that in this. I only, it's only when I read about it later, like there was a Wilhelm. <laughs> I found it quite funny. Um, Apparently, most of the stunts in the movie were actually done without the use of digital effects. Most of it was actually a lot of practical effects yeah, we, at the time. Yeah, we know because Nick Cage and John <laughs> Travolta are yeah. anywhere to be seen. <laughs> done by many stunt people. Um, apparently, Joel Schumacher visited the set during this, and because this was round about the time like Batman and Robin was about to come out in 1997, he visited the set and offered Nick Cage a role in what would be the next Batman movie that he was going to make. Mm. He was going to play the Scarecrow. I would weirdly wow. watch that movie. <laughs> I think that would have been quite fun. I'd prefer him to play Bruce Wayne, to be honest. He did such a good job in Kick-Ass of playing um, Big Daddy. Big Daddy. Big Daddy yeah. yeah. 
Oh yeah, that's 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 a lot of channeling Adam West in that. That's just great. So I did manage to find some reviews for this. Um, had a lot of trouble finding one star reviews for this. Most of it was actually five stars. So I do have <laughs> some ones which are just like again, much like the film, quite bizarre in places, but quite funny. Uh, one just says, two men switch faces. Such great acting. <laughs> and it was just so bizarre. Like, bought us a present. Recipient, very pleased. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> uh, bought for me dad. Not even bought for my dad. Bought for me dad. Mum's not happy with me as he just sits watching this literally every night. Sorry, mum kiss <laughs> can i just go back to that previous one recipient like not even oh yeah my husband slash boyfriend slash girlfriend yeah. slash partner like it's just recipient <laughs> very formal and one that was just like so ambiguous but i had to include it uh one woman just wrote for personal use what <laughs> <laughs> oh dear what good god <laughs> You know that route that we started to go down earlier where we were thinking of it too? I wonder if that's where she was taking that. I feel I should be I feel like I should be throwing in some sort of saxophone solo <laughs> like underneath the <laughs> sipping or on cognac. Was that one about Toy Story 3? <laughs> <laughs> so just cut things off in terms of recommendations. I mean, granted, I know that we've we've dug deep with this, and yes, this film is not without its copious plot holes. Uh, for me personally, I would 100% recommend that people watch this. I think it is just the right blend of insanity. I think it's a lot of fun. There is so much action. Travolta and Cage are just another level in this film. And it just makes me think that they were definitely the right people for it. Like, there was a lot of different pairings that were kind of revolving around at the time of making this film. You had the obvious ones, like you had, like, Stallone and Schwarzenegger. Um, you had uh, De Niro be, and Pacino. That would be good, actually. <laughs> right? Uh, De Niro and Pacino, that was another one that was coming about. Uh, I think I vaguely recall reading at one point there was Bruce Willis and Alec Baldwin. But the one that captured my imagination where I just went, that would have been even more insane and I would have been all over it was Jean-Claude Van Damme and Steven Seagal. <laughs> <laughs> Ponytail off. I mean, I was uh, quite quite keen to see the uh, DeVito and Schwarzenegger. Twins too. Fuck, you know. That's, that's that's the storyline for Twins 2. Isn't there yeah. actually going to be a Twins 2? There is, yeah. Eddie Murphy was supposed to be doing it because it was then triplets, triplets apparently. But he's not doing it. I've heard rumours that it was supposed... I've heard rumours that like Tracy Morgan is supposed to be doing it, which might even be more insane than he's Eddie Murphy. He's not old enough, though, like to match their age. I mean, Eddie Murphy wasn't in his 60s when he was playing the father in Nutty Professor, but they still prosthetic him right up. Oh, I suppose. 
Anyway, I'm getting off track. Recommendations overall. Damien, let's start with you. Um, yeah, it's it's a guilty pleasure. It's one of the one of those one of the better movies from there were the at that period there was a lot of identical movies where it's the same it's this, there's this, there's this incredulous thing here. Look at this, this is, <laughs> but and this is one of the better ones of that and it's for the height of Cage Mania, who's obviously had Con Air, this the rock yeah. as well. So he was this was the start of his, you know, him and his and his one quirk per film, because you've obviously got peaches in this and it's music in the rock. So he picks one thing in particular and he goes for it. It's like it goes right he's eating all the jelly beans all the time. He picks one thing in particular and yeah. focuses on it. Yeah, but yeah. yeah, no, yeah. And for John Woo's debut American film, yeah, it's well worth a watch. Yeah. Lee, how about you? Um, so as I said earlier, you know, I really did procrastinate about watching this because I, I was kind of like, oh, face off. Meh. You know, am I that bothered? You know, I, I knew I'd seen it years ago and I was like, yeah, I'm not fussed about watching it again. Having watched it today, I actually did enjoy it. You know, my, my note taking was minimal because, you know, I kind of got absorbed in the film. Um, it's not to say it's a brilliant film, but it's not a bad film. It's certainly no Street Fighter or Mario Brothers. Um, <laughs> I'd say <laughs> I'm not sure I could I guess yeah if you're looking for a bit of a fun romp and you've got a couple of spare hours maybe but then I'd, I'm not sort of one to push a film on someone if that makes sense you know it's like yeah I had fun with it I, whether it's to someone's taste I don't know how much do you like Travolta and Cage if you like either of them then yeah probably watch it it's a bit of an on the fence yeah. one that I don't know bit of a non-answer it's like i would recommend it but then i wouldn't if you like this but if you don't like it then don't <laughs> it was i found it fine i enjoyed it in the end so i actually did uh, have fun with it luke what about you i'm i was hoping through this I'm, i can make a decision <laughs> i'm still on the i'm still on the fence with this movie um really i still am i just i don't know something about it i mean yeah there's explosions and uh, Travolta and Cage, their acting was brilliant, and especially I think it's just because it's getting your mind around the whole sort of concept of the film. And there's a lot of confusing bits throughout the whole movie um, that I think sometimes they struggle with. But it's just if you can wrap your head around it, so you, it kind of makes sense, then yep. it's worth a watch. Um, I just I think some of me because this is probably the first time I proper watched it. And I have no, I only remember key bits, probably just from their marketing or something that that I just felt that for me it was a bit dated, obviously very dated <laughs> in certain areas. And <laughs> I mean the plot holes and like the effects wasn't quite there um, with like the stunt doubles all seeing it. Sometimes it's it a bit jarring um, for me. Um, but I mean, again, I'm going to be on the fence. I say, as Lee said. It's not a great film. It's not a bad film. It's down the middle. I mean, if there's key aspects of this you, you like watching, like if you're a fan of John Woo or um, Cage or Travolta, yeah, go and watch it. But nice. I'm not going to say go and watch it. I mean, make your mind up. <laughs> <laughs> Luke's just, just be you. Yeah. Do what makes you happy. Ollie, what about you? Last but not least. It's a real good one just for like, you know, detaching the eyes from the brain isn't it you know it's just it's <laughs> it's just one from the head. Just, or face from the head it's just a, it's 
it's it's a good romp, isn't it? It's not like the best film that came out in ninety seven, and it's but it is a really good pairing. It's a really good double act, mm. and I think that, as you said before, earlier, like deserves a little bit more credit. And it and it kind of like and it did like kind of re rejuvenate both of their careers. So it's a good it's a good starting point for them for like to see like John Travolta in these like villain villain roles and as you say as as Cage in this in these like bigger hammy roles as well. I think again I'm a bit on the fence with it. It's a real kind of like it's not even like Marmite, is it? It's not like you you just love it or you hate it. It's just like yeah, it, it's 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 a good like solid romp of a film for two hours it it doesn't drag it's thoroughly entertaining it's got some real cheesy lines in it some real cheesy acting and it's just you know it's just like a it's a solid watch it's style over substance isn't it it's like most Mm. films from the 90s it's it's look at this um, uh, there is a story somewhere if you go looking for it it's interesting Ollie was saying like there there were better movies that came out in 1997. So overall in the box office, this isn't marked for inflation. This is just domestic box office for that year. This was 12th in the box office that year. It was beaten by uh, Tomorrow Never Dies, My Best Friend's Wedding. <laughs> beaten? Oh, Jesus Christ. The 1997 special edition release of Episode 4, A New Hope. Goodwill Hunting, as good as it gets. Air Force One, Liar Liar, The Lost World, Jurassic Park, Men in Black, The Bean Movie, <laughs> <laughs> Rowan Atkinson beat John Travolta and Nicholas Cage combined, and the number one movie for that year was Titanic. Of course it was, yeah. But then, of course, beat movies like The Fifth Element, Con Air. Just beat Batman and Robin that year. I mean, low bar. Starship Troopers, Austin Powers. I mean, yeah, that was just like 1997, you know, like 96 as well, a bit of leeway into that year as well. There was just a huge amount of stuff that was getting released at that time. Absolutely crazy. But no, that's really interesting. I I honestly didn't expect it to be that polarising. That's very interesting. It's great. What was your? What would your be? Your uh, take on it be? Yeah? Uh, I would, de- like I said, I would definitely recommend it. Definitely recommend it to people. I think it's certainly something that needs to be watched at least once. It's not something that obviously in two plus hours, you know, we try and break down and talk about and try and make sense of it. But ultimately, the only way that you can try and make sense of it is to check it out yourself. Um, it is available on Amazon Prime at the moment. It is constantly available on Disney Plus as well. So there are plenty of avenues for people to check it out. But yeah, it's, I think, Cage and Travolta do a great job. I think there's some really fun moments in it. And yeah, I just think it's a really, I just think it's a really fun ride. So before we sign off, I do want to take a moment to broach to you what the next movie will be. Ooh. Now, I've undenied about this for a while, and obviously we've done a lot of action. We've done a lot of... Well, it's really mainly been action for a while, hasn't it? Like, we've not really touched on a lot of 
fantasy movies. And so I thought about it, and I thought, what could we possibly watch that would be along that route? And I thought, well, we're, we're going to go back to a, well, I suppose sponsored by Lucas, brought to us by Richie Cunningham. Mm-hmm. Ron Howard himself, we are going to watch Willow. Hey. Hey. I only watched that last year. Nice. Yeah, <laughs> I watched it literally a couple of months ago as well. Nice, nice. Great stuff. And yes, I thought that would be a fun one to watch. And also uh, for anyone that would like to watch along before the episode goes out, it is available also on Disney Plus for the world to see. So go ahead, check it out on the platform and refresh your memory before we then talk about this movie. 1988 that came out. Madness. Has everyone seen it? Yep. Of course. Of course. Of course we have. <laughs> I thought you were going to mention American Graffiti there right at the start. I thought it's not fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> Hit all Apollo 13. No, Gareth, you're not getting this. <laughs> <laughs> it was really, really it happened. really happened. <laughs> you can see the strings, people. <laughs> so... On that note, I think that is a reasonable time for us to draw things to a close. Uh, Of course, thank you, gentlemen, for taking the time out to watch this apparently polarising movie with me. It's been a lot of fun and it's been great to talk about. Thank you very much for taking the time. Thanks, Gareth. Thank you very much. I'm I'm off to eat a peach. That has a weird (laughs) (laughs) connotation for that now. (laughs) Hashtag euphemism question mark. (laughs) (laughs) And thank you, the listeners, for taking the time out for coming on this little journey with us. And we hope that you will join us again very soon for the next instalment. Until next time. End of line.